everyone. Welcome to the Felicity Optimist versus Cynic podcast with us, your hosts, Melissa and Fish. This is a Felicity rewatch podcast. We'll watch an episode each week and join you here to talk about it. And just a reminder, the reminder we give every single time, this is not a spoiler free podcast. So if there's, uh, if you have no interest in knowing anything that happens in the future of this show, there's a chance that we'll drop some tidbits here and there. But we have so much fun here. Just stick around and enjoy it anyway, because we love talking about the show. I am Melissa, and I'm here with my fabulous co-host, Fish. Fish, how's it going today? It's going pretty good today. Um, Took a bunch of notes and found out a couple of interesting things that I didn't know and will share along the way. Well, I am very eager to hear what those things are, and I'm sure I'll find out at the same time as all you listeners. Um, <laughs> so that's very exciting. I, you know, before we jump in with saying what we're talking about today, I'd like to make a formal apology to Susan. Oh, <laughs> Susan, from our last podcast, um, I was hard on Susan, and I don't think without reason, but I went really went for her. So. Nobody complained about yeah, it. But I, I was think just you're the best. Thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know I'm usually the person going for everyone, but like, you know, you you had your reasons. You were defensive of of Julie. Yeah, she didn't need this. But yeah. I digress. Uh, you know, enough <laughs> said about Susan. Susan, I apologize. Um, what we're what we're going to talk about today, though is a different episode of the show, which is season two, episode four, called The Depths. This one aired October 17th, 1999. It was written by J.J. Abrams and directed by Michael Schultz. Here's the description for this one. Ugly truths surface when Felicity and Julie air their grievances while trapped underground in a a stalled subway train. Meanwhile, Noel and Ruby drift into a first date when Felicity fails to meet them at the museum and Ben clashes with a cranky customer who is Terry Polo. Okay. That actually does cover quite a lot of ground for this. So I don't know. What do you think, Fish? Where do you want to start with this one? Um, so I just, I feel like I need to talk a little bit more about the hair. Because it's it's starting to um, expand, yes, or or fluff, yes. Sort of. I I don't know if she's using gel or something. I mean, she must be. I I don't know. Um, it's going to get fluffier and fluffier. It's going to keep growing. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. um it's a look, and mm-hmm. you know while I'm not a personal fan of this phase of the hair. Mm -hmm. You know, I just want to throw love and support at Carrie Russell because in looking up some of the stuff she went through uh, with this haircut, I mean, she was getting literal death threats. Um, She was just like being harassed like no other from her fans and I came across this interview that they did with her 
And they asked her, what would you tell your younger self? And I don't remember the, the whole interview, um, like the whole answer, but she definitely says, do not cut your hair. Um, and it all came about because apparently she played a prank on JJ Abrams mm-hmm. where she put on this wig and then took a Polaroid of it and just like sent it to him over the summer in between seasons one and two. And was like, I cut my hair. Hope you're fine with it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he called her and was like, would you really cut your hair? Uh, and so it ended up being a thing, mm-hmm. but you know, so she, she kind of, I guess had a little more, a little more of a part in that decision um, after reading this, this interview. And, and she, she says, you know, definitely don't cut your hair. You know, people will send you death threats. Um, And eventually, you know, your hair will grow out and your fans will uh, forgive you and come back to you, but you will never forgive your fans. I know I was just like oh man Mm -hmm. that must have been like really hard for her to go through so yeah Yeah, that's a lot that's thanks for sharing that we continue to to love and adore Carrie Russell regardless of what her hair looks like and um and then yeah I think we can maybe just hop into this early conversation about weird gooey eyes uh, with uh, Carl and, and Chuck and and Larry. Yeah. Well, so I do want to mention Larry, Larry, Larry. That's not a name that we brought up in this episode, is it? Yeah. Larry's the guy that Chuck was talking to. Oh, okay. On the oh, on the got voice, it, got it, got it. yeah, about yeah. Carl and how he doesn't bathe and he eats his hair, which is totally right, true. Right, right. I actually want to back it up just a little bit more than that, even because um, this episode opens on an eye, and if mm-hmm. you are familiar with other J.J. Abrams shows, <laughs> a certain lost opened up yeah. on an eye more often than not, especially in that first season. That was a motif that he really got into um the whole the whole show opens up on i believe it was jack's eye um so this is something that i think intrigued him and this is i kind of like it when you see this sort of stuff a lot of times you'll see it from directors because you you know showrunners don't always get an opportunity to do more shows jj abrams has been very successful he's gotten to do a lot of shows but sometimes you'll see this more with movie directors where they'll you'll see like the early idea of something that later on becomes the motif of like a whole movie. Like I feel like I've seen that with Alfred Hitchcock a lot. Um, And so I did think it was interesting to see this one moment where we get this shot of Carrie Russell's, you know, a close up of her eye. And we will keep coming back to that picture that she's drawing as we go through. But I did like that. And it's, I think, a much better picture than the droopy hands. I was thinking that too, right? Uh, probably different artists worked on different things and maybe we're meant to see that she's progressing. Um, not sure. But 
but yeah, you're right. Then the next thing we see is this advisee, Carl, who now has a name, but we've seen him before. <laughs> He's been a hypochondriac before. And this time he comes in to complain about something completely different, which is having overheard his roommate talking to somebody on the phone and giving a laundry list of things that he doesn't like about Carl. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, Carl. And it's positioned as like, Chuck's bullying me. And then also, like, when he starts to describe the things that Chuck's saying, he's like, he's saying that I don't wash my clothes with detergent and that I eat my hair. And Felicity's like, okay, so he's saying things that aren't true. And Chuck's like, uh, uh, Carl's like, no, they're true. She's like, ah, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I agree with Megan. He's weird, um, but he's a person. So, you know, he probably shouldn't be listening in on other people's conversations if he doesn't want to get hurt. Mm-hmm. What I like about this scene to open up the episode is that this is, I think it's fair to say this is a strange episode with a lot of comedic influence. Mm-hmm. And they set the tone for that right from this scene, because this is actually very much like, you know, when Megan is going to come into the room and we're going to get a lot of quick clipped dialogue where they're each cutting each other off. And you can see the game of this scene emerge very early where Carl's trying to get advice about what to do about Chuck. And with Felicity initially in the room, this is the RA who's going to be like, oh, try to work it out, be diplomatic, you know, try to, try to, you know, have, have talk about your feelings. But then Megan comes into the room and that's not the kind of advice she's going to give. So Carl's now in this room with these two RAs and he keeps sort of putting out, uh, he, he, it's as if they aren't even having a conversation with each other. He just keeps running the thread of what he should do about Chuck. And it starts with, you know, his initial, uh, the initial advice he gets from Felicity, which is like, oh, it doesn't matter what people say. And so like, he starts going off in this direction of, okay, you know, I'm just gonna let it go, not let it bother me. But unfortunately, simultaneously, the more important conversation in the room, the more the conversation that the majority of the people in the room are invested in is the one between Felicity and Megan, where as soon as Felicity says, it doesn't matter what people say, Megan is now like, aha, this is the perfect time for me to bring up the fact that I heard Julie sing a mean song about you. And I'm going to tease you with this over as many sentences as possible in between Carl's talking. Um, and so Felicity is getting more and more riled up. Megan is teasing her more and more. And now Carl's starting to get fired up and his position is starting <laughs> to switch from like, I'm going to let it go with Chuck to where does he land by the end of this one? Uh, I'm going to go beat him up. Mm-hmm. And Megan's yep. like, yeah, go yep. ahead, kick his ass. Yeah. And then he, you know, says, I think you're a better RA. Which, in that moment, I don't know. I don't know who was worse because, uh, as per usual, Felicity is making it all about herself. And um, 
And she's literally doing the opposite of what she tells him to do. Yes. Right? She's like, um, I'm listening to this story. I'm getting, getting hot under the collar. I'm going to kill her. That's yeah. where she, she leaves the room to kill Julie. Yeah, that's and the idea. So, you know. <laughs> um, Might be a I little guess, hyperbolic, but that's okay. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. Um, but you can't say these things flippantly around Carl. Yeah, because, I mean, we see Carl is not, he, he's not the greatest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then, it, I mean, Chuck did say true things. I don't mm-hmm. know if I would call Felicity the slut of Washington Square Park, mm-hmm. although that was a great rhyme. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so sad we didn't get to hear the song. Mm-hmm. I really, I really would have liked to hear it. Well, I think no. that's this episode's version of the box. You know, it's like we're the whole episode is about this song. Everything that happens in the major plot points ultimately happens because of this song. Um, I mean, arguably, maybe not the Ruby and Noel stuff, but the uh, the fact that we never get to actually hear it is probably the better choice. Because we can imagine so much more about it. And we're put in the same position as Felicity for so much of the episode up until the moment she actually hears it when it's on a commercial break. <laughs> but that was a good Yeah, I, I really wanted to hear the song. Yeah, well, it leaves you wanting it. more. I wonder <laughs> if that was ever like a bonus feature um, for the show somehow. Not, not like a bonus feature in terms of DVDs or anything like that, but I wonder if they ever had, uh, there was ever somebody on the internet who tried to make a song like this. Um, Possibly. But I mean, I do think that this just set up so much for us. We're going, we know exactly what the point of this episode is going to be from the opening scene. It's going to be done with a weird, funny tenor, but it's really going to be a can Felicity and Julie have a discussion that isn't this stuff, Um, (laughs) but it's probably going to be prompted by this. And if that's what you thought you were getting, that's what you get. (laughs) They take us on a weird journey to get there, but ultimately what they promise us is what we see resolved. Yeah, and I do want to say, like, I wasn't as far off as I thought I was going to be with my mm-hmm. guess of cave diving. Um, it wasn't that far, yeah. It wasn't that far off. I mean, we didn't we didn't meet the little squid, um, mm-hmm. but we did meet some moles. We sure so, did. You know, um, just saying, not not as far off as I thought I was going to be. Also. In this um, this first part where Megan says, I was listening to Julie at Epstein Bar, mm-hmm. just because I, I was doing the, um, the club segment at the end, mm-hmm. and I saw Epstein Bar written, uh, and for some reason, you know, the fact that there's a hyphen in it all of a sudden made me think, wait, I, I know this. Like, I hadn't thought about it, but... It's a That's health a disease. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I did not know that. It's, um, it's herpes that causes mono that mm-hmm. nine out of 10 people ha- are exposed to in their life through saliva. Well, sometimes you have a play on words and it ends up being that. 
Yeah, I mean, what you want of a college town? But they got clever, and it didn't work out quite the way they thought it would. (laughs) Or maybe it did. I mean, it. I guess it's clever for a college town, Um, and but also kind of gross for all of your patrons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. They and they don't they don't go too far out of their way to constantly name drop Epstein Bar in the dialogue all the time, but it's the location that's important. Apparently, yeah. But so Felicity comes out of this first scene hopping mad, and she's on a tape with Sally. She's leaving Sally a tape, you know, as she does, and she's (laughs) angry. One of the angriest scenes we've ever actually seen her in, I think. Um, And she's ready to punch Julie in the face. She says those words. Yeah. She, and, and she, I I like the way that they had her walking down the street because now she's showing her belly button and we can tell how mad she is because the force with which she is hitting the ground is making her shirt like kind of, just show us her belly button a lot and so it's like anger belly button yeah um so i really enjoyed that and and she's just and she does take the time to put her jacket on but other than that she is out the door and she is there like talking to sean wanting to know where this girl is right now and he he knows it's the song. You yeah, heard the heard song, huh? The song. Yeah, I, I, I really like that we're seeing Felicity angry here. She very rarely went to that emotion in season one. And to be able to see her, you know, I feel like her anger gets immediately converted to sadness or, um, or like, being analytical or depression sometimes comedy but we don't often see her just let loose and be angry and i like that they put that here yeah and and you're right they made her like hopping mad like to her the way she was when she was mad was so physical Mm -hmm. it was like she couldn't stay still she couldn't it was like a, she was a little, she was vibrating like all over the place with anger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was great. One of the, th- and one of the little touches that I enjoyed in this quick scene with Sean, cause she's just marched to Julie, to the loft. She wants to find Julie. Sean knows that, you know, like you said, Sean knows that she's heard the song by seeing Felicity, but what is he doing? He's mixing smoothies, (laughs) which is going to be one of the probably best known inventions of his among fans. This will be one that we hear about quite a bit. So, or, you know, it'll have a a number of plot uh, moments in future episodes. And so he's mixing it here in this scene, and then it actually gets named in a later scene. So that's, that's a real, that's a fun <laughs> moment, I think, for a lot of us. If you're wondering, when did Smoothies come about? <laughs> Go and look for season two, episode four, The Depths, and that's where you're going to get it. Um, 
Yeah, and it looks so bad with him just stirring it in that bowl because mm-hmm. it sounds like smoothie, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but it apparently it's got some something like mayonnaise in it, or it is something like mayonnaise. I I don't. Oh, it looks so bad. Yeah, who's to say? We don't really get the recipe, and he hasn't named it quite yet in this episode, but. We're getting there. We're getting there real soon. And we're just getting the hint of what's to come with the smoothies uh, <laughs> phenomenon that is, that is soon to hit. Um, so we move from here to Felicity is going to now should be in Elena Knoll's apartment and she's still angry. Mm-hmm. And because she didn't get a chance to talk to Julie, she has to unload with Elena and Noel. And this conversation, it felt like, you know, after what we saw in episode three, where Noel and Felicity patched things up, it feels like they're right back on par with being friends again. Yeah. I mean, he's still pretty snarky. Um, I like that they're keeping up his, his humor that has a bit more of an edge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's more friendly now. Mm-hmm. And it's also directed at Elena. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I wrote that down too. I was like, oh, they're friends again. And then I wrote, but he's also snarky. Um, yeah, I think it's, an, you know, it's it's a, like a normal level of snark. It's not a snark intended to hurt Felicity. It's a we're, we're together in this joke sort of thing. It's less so we're together in this joke with Elena because she, <laughs> she's like... I had this poem written yeah. about me called Stinky, Stinky Girl. Girl. Yeah. Do you want to hear it? And Noel's like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really not interested. Don't care at all. Yeah. And Noel turns that on Felicity when she's like, you know, how would how would you feel if I sang a mean song about you in public? And Noel's <laughs> like, I feel sorry for the public. You have a horrible singing voice. And she's yeah. like, right, right, right. Yes, yeah. I enjoy. I like this Noel. Yeah. Uh, so good on him. And but I think, the you know, the last episode did a lot of work to get most of our characters back on friendly terms again. I mean, I would say after the last episode, the divisions are between Felicity and Julie, which obviously yeah. we're going to go into this episode and try to address it. But after the last episode, Felicity and Julie was still a major rift. And of course, you know, Ben and Noel, but I mean, that was never a thing. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of like the the tension of the show, really. <laughs> like I like not their tension with each other, but they're not meant like at this point. They have never been really good friends. Um, yeah. So it you know it that's a rift. But the idea of repairing that is is like uh, well, that would be something brand new. Um, yeah. But I would say it feels to me like. Most of the other characters who were on decent terms before are back on relatively decent terms now. Well, I think Felicity and Ben are not. Yeah. After that speech that that she gave and yeah. her rearranging her whole schedule. Yeah, that's true. To like never see him again. Well, that's the thing. We we just you know they're actively trying not to see each other. They're um, in terms of what the writers are doing here. They're giving us a chance to explore some other things, bring in some new characters um they're they're resetting like like we've said they they hit the reset button 
and now we're heading into some new new batch of story. And so I think it's good that they pull them apart here to give us a chance to you know, lay some other groundwork. Yeah, so I'm, I'm enjoying these moments that they're back together. I'm enjoying the Felicity does have also a little bit more of an edge because she's, uh, she's finally pushing back with Megan um, and saying, you know, stuff behind her back uh, for the record. Uh, having Megan as a roommate is not a substitute for seeing the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. That is something that every person should do and uh, learn the callbacks, uh, dress up, uh, bring the appropriate things to throw at the appropriate times and get into it. I mean, is this a movie that you still see playing sometimes? Um. In like theaters? I'm sure it still plays on TV. And they did a remake with Laverne Cox that was, um, I mean, it's never going to be the original, right? But um, it's, I thought it was good. And, but the way that you see Rocky in um, Raving College, did did you ever go? Nope. Okay. So I had some friends who were in it in high school. And so I saw it like this in high school. You go to a theater and what they do is like a movie theater um, with a stage in front Mm -hmm. and they play it in the background while they have like live actors acting it out Mm -hmm. in the foreground. And there are like certain phrases where the audience calls back. There's certain times when you like, you throw stuff on stage and mm-hmm. it's like a whole interactive thing. Yeah. And it's just something that like you should do once, mm-hmm. you know, okay. some people are in the cast and do it many times, but at least once it's, it's just not the same and it has nothing to do with mole people. It's, okay. it's completely about um, transvestite aliens. So don't worry about the mole people. Um, and Melissa, this is something that we're, we're now going to have to do together since you've confided that you haven't done this. Okay. I'm just curious where it'll be available. Um, it's available everywhere. I guarantee you everywhere, everywhere. And if you're in like, you're, you're, trust me, there are, there's usually midnight. You're thinking LA has some access to this. I, I have a feeling that somewhere within 15 to 30 minutes of you there's probably like five places you could go do this okay wow okay yeah well there you have it challenge put forth um i'll let you all know how that goes uh if i'm not there i want pictures but i want to see who you dress up as Ooh. okay listeners uh gotta have your feedback here you've seen um do we have any pictures of you, Melissa? Um, I mean, you're kind of like the main picture shared. on, um, like, in the logo. That's no, actually like an abstract. I'm a fish. Well, that's true. But, but we're um, both in the. Uh, yeah, but we yeah. are on the, like, intro thing. Like, mm-hmm. you can see I'm the tall one. She's slightly shorter than me. Yes. Um, I'm the one that looks like I'm about to fall over and flatten her. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> uh, it's, 
it's a little harder because you're not facing forward, but uh -huh. um, she's also in the logo facing forward, Whoa. but it's like a, it's a, a drawing version. of her. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you think she should dress up as? I, I want to hear all your ideas because we're, we're going to have to have to think about this. I think appearance wise, you go Janet, right? No. Okay. All right. No. Well, what do I know? I haven't seen this performed live. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be contributing. I'm thinking a pink wig. Everyone knows where I'm going with this oh. little, little maid's costume. Yeah. Oh. That's, that's what I'm thinking. But okay. that's just me. I don't want like everyone come up with your own. Who should she dress up as? All right. Challenge is before to everybody here. You're just maybe wow, this will look be at a you. You're on fire. <laughs> you are absolutely on fire. Um, I'm just excited for you. I can't believe you've never done this. Yeah. Hmm. <sighs> well, you know who, who probably will do this? Ooh. Ruby. Ruby will probably do this at some point. Because it's, it's something that, you know, I feel like she will get swept up in a group of her friends. And since she's currently not dating Noel, uh, as Noel says, um, she has some time to, uh, to go out. Maybe, maybe at some point she'll drag Noel along. And, uh, and we all know who Noel will dress up as. So. Well, I think that their their status is probably changed by the end of this episode. Yeah, which is why I'm thinking maybe maybe she'll pull him along. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, I think in terms of like things to go to, a big a big part of this episode is the idea of what they're calling the modern. Yes. An art museum, which I assume they just didn't get the rights to say the word MoMA, which is the Museum of Modern Art. <laughs> I think that's what they meant this to be, right? Fish, like I, that's what they were kind going for. Of, yeah, sort of like how this is NYU, mm -hmm. um, but it's UNY. The modern is is clearly MoMA. Yeah, <laughs> the idea here is that Felicity and Noel are making plans to go to the modern together, but Noel has invited Ruby. <laughs> Um, which makes a lot of sense for him and is strange for Felicity, but she's rolling with it. Right. Um, and so we're going to see her take the subway to get to the modern, which is where basically the bulk of this story then <laughs> comes unglued. But I did just want to say about my own experience with the MoMA, uh, I have a memory of having a class because I, I grew up in New York. I grew up on Long, Long Island and it we were, I was on the West part of uh, like Nassau County, the West part of Long Island. It didn't take that long to get into the city as we called it. And so sometimes we would have, if we had a class trip every now and then that would be to a museum somewhere in the city. And I remember one time I had a, a class trip for one of, for an art class, which seemed kind of strange because it was sort of like a, an extra, um, you know, it was a, not part of like the core classes, but I don't know. Anyway, we went, we had this plan to go to the MoMA. And so we all got on a bus, the bus drove us into the city and I went to the MoMA and I hated it Aww. so much. Look, I enjoy the arts. I enjoy quite a lot of art. I have art all on my walls. Um, there were some exhibit, there were some things, installations in the MoMA at that time that I remember as a, I don't know how old I was, like 12. 
I remember looking at it and feeling like this is such a waste of my time. And it was a big thing to think at that age. I mean, we were on a class trip, we were like, you know, like what's my problem? There were two, actually no, three specific things that I saw. The first one that I remember was there was a huge canvas that was just blue. <laughs> like somebody had taken a roller, made it all blue, hung it up on the wall. I was like, okay, continuing to walk. Then I walked to another room. There's a huge canvas, the equal to the size of the all blue canvas. And this one is mostly, I think it was white. And then in large block letters, it said, oof. Then shaking my head, I continue moving and I saw what finished me off. It was a piece of tracing paper that had been folded in half. A tiny little rip was made in the middle. It was unfolded again and framed. I took one look at this piece of tracing paper with this little rip in it. And I walked out of the museum. <laughs> I don't remember how I occupied my time for the rest of the class trip, but I was like, I can't with you all. I cannot do this. And I, <laughs> I'm sure that we had some exercise we were supposed to do while in there, but I had only scathing things to say about those three pieces. And those are the only three things that I remember from the whole museum. So somebody who loves the MoMA, make a case for it. Convince me otherwise. Give me, give me points on some of the finer pieces that you've seen there. I was so scarred by those three (laughs) that it was just like, guys, let's just get back on the bus. Let's roll this thing up. (laughs) Let's go back to Long Island. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I'm not a huge modern art fan either. Um, so I really can't help you out. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, a lot of people do like it. And, you know, I, hey, to each their own. Absolutely. Whatever makes you happy. I'm not saying that everything that I like is realistic, that, you know, it doesn't all have to be still lives with photographic precision. A lot of the stuff that I like has a blended look or has, has an abstract ish look, but it also needs to be something that is impossible for me to do. For me. Yeah. To a lot of the, the conceptual art stuff is, you know, there was that whole period of art where the theory behind it is that, the artist isn't the one creating the art the creation of the art happens between the piece of art and the viewer Uh and so yeah there was a lot of stuff in that kind of area you know i'm i'm a bit more traditional i'm like a rembrandt kind of girl Uh (laughs) yeah i'm like in like an ancient Greek architect, like architecture and like the Elgin marbles, like that's what I consider sort of the best art from my perspective. Yeah. 
So Okay, so look, I mean, if you're going to try to see people talking up the modern here, it's not happening on this podcast, but you are listeners, you're welcome to provide feedback on why you love modern art. See, mm-hmm. see if you can help sway us in a new direction on this. Uh, but strangely, half of the characters in this show are meant to be convening on the modern in this episode. So I don't know if this was like sponsorship or what was happening. I think this was one of those episodes that was meant to be a love letter to New York or meant to, or, or like, Hey, we're in New York. Um, whether it's a love letter or not, I don't know, but it was meant to really show New York as a character and the subway and the modern become part of that story. Um, you know, Felicity is going to now get on the subway to go to the modern to meet up with Ruby and Noel. But who else gets on this subway car also happening to be going to the modern on this very same day at this very same moment? Oh, Julie. It's Julie. Julie, Julie, Julie. Yeah, she comes in. She does not realize Felicity is there and sits down right across from her. And the thing that I like about Julie is she's clearly ridden a subway before Mm -hmm. because when Felicity gets on the subway, she clearly has not figured it out. Mm -hmm. She's like grabbing onto poles, running into people. Like she doesn't have her subway legs. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they're having fun with that since they make her move so many times Mm -hmm. (laughs) during these scenes. Uh, And, and she just cannot keep her balance. Um, It's like, I don't know, like, yeah, and she is off balance in general, because she started so angry about Julie. And then here it is, Julie's right in front of her. And so I think the off balance that she actually is, also is emotionally where she is right now. (laughs) And they're going to just sort of cut away from this right away just to be like, ooh, problems are brewing. Here's, you know, here's the twist. Here's, you know, the plot just thickened. They're on the same subway car. And now back to Dean and Jaluka. (laughs) We'll let you see more of this in a little bit. Um, And, you know, in terms of other people who don't know what to do with themselves and they're just frantic. um, (laughs) We need Maggie. Yeah, I absolutely love Terry Polo. Uh-huh. Um, I think I first saw her in, pro- I probably first saw her in West Wing. Okay. And then she was in the whole Meet the Fokker series, right? Um, and she was on Frasier. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I saw her you know, coming up here and I was like, she's, she's probably going to be in a few episodes. I mean, with Ben checking her out with her coming in with attitude and his little like, yes, ma'am. At the end, I was like, Hmm, he's interested. He's something. I feel like something's going to happen here. Your prediction is good. Yeah. They have a very not cute meet cute here. Um, yeah. <laughs> she is a caterer on a mission. Yes. Things, she's got an event coming up. Things have fallen through. Yep. She needs 125 brownies by 5 p.m. Ben 
make it happen. And he does. He's mm-hmm. like, all right, hold on. I just need to call the manager. We're going to get this taken care of. You know, picks up the phone. Javier's not even there, and he's still funny. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Ben is like, we need 125 brownies. I don't know. I can't. Blonde hair. Come up here if you want to see her. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. But we don't, we don't get that moment. Um, but he's, he's taking care of it. He's got her. He, and she's got a credit card. So yeah. he can find out her name. I mean, this is, look, this is a little weird. I mean, she is, she is a caterer. And she's coming to them asking them for brownies. She's going to come back asking for cookies. And you wouldn't leave this to the last second if you were catering. I guess this was somebody else's event. Is that right? And she's stepping in. Yeah, it's like a friend of hers. And that's why she was so stressed. Okay. Because um, she was like planning it for, I guess, this friend of hers. Okay. So she wasn't able to take care of this on her own. So she's going to Dean DeLupe and trying to get them store-bought. Um and Ben's going to make it happen for her, but not without her being rude and frantic and, and uh, just in a real hurry and not having time to talk to him. Yeah. And, and okay, fine. This is first time they're meeting and then he's just gonna, he's going to help her out. And um, just as long as she doesn't come back and do it again. Yeah, as long as that doesn't happen, it will (laughs) all be fine. Right. (sighs) Cut to 20 minutes later into our podcast. Um, Maybe 40. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. So now we are going to cut back to the subway. We're going to get your classic guy selling stuff out of his overcoat. That's that's the image we start with. Yeah, he's, he's, um, he's working it. He's uh, a micro entrepreneur. He's there. He's hustling. I like him. I like his uh, his energy. Um, yeah, it really gave me a sense of place. He knew how to ride the subway. He did. Yeah. Um. So this whole scene for me, uh, I don't know. I went through like a lot of like emotions and expectations. So oh. first, I was angry. I was oh. like, learn to ride the subway, Felicity. Um, and then when the subway stopped, I had this feeling of like, and now the walking dead, mm-hmm. um, absolutely loved the loudspeaker mm-hmm. that nobody could understand. Yeah. Whatsoever. Not one distinguishable word except for remain calm, two words. Yeah. Uh, also enjoyed in the script that they call the the subway car a wagon. They were like, Julie walks into the wagon and the doors close. That's strange. That's not that's not even what's in your script. They say car later. Yeah. Um, okay. And and then we cut to like it's all it's been a whole hour already and i'm just i am loving the nervous bald guy uh he's come in with energy yeah and we have some stuff happening between felicity and julie in these moments too right because that first moment when we cut to the subway felicity tries to start a conversation before the subway stops she's like 
so did you get the message that I stopped by? And Julie is on a mission to ignore Felicity. That is her only goal. <laughs> it's like, uh, we can get, I can, as awkward as this is, Julie's thinking, I can get through this with saying nothing to Felicity because it won't be that long, right? So that's like kind of the, like Felicity's going to try, Julie's ignoring her. And then, you know, when Felicity asks, did you hear that I stopped by? And Julie's like, yeah, wasn't going to do a thing about it. Um, <laughs> and Felicity knows what's up, right? Like, this is a very clear interaction. And then, you know, Felicity has this, this, uh, you know, it's going to get worse because Felicity says, oh, well, the only comfort to me in that moment was knowing that in four stops, I would no longer be on the subway with Julie Singer of Eagle songs. And then the subway comes to a grinding halt and you just know that that prophecy was not to come true. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, that's where we get this this intercom or whatever device that is the, you know, remain calm. Um, you have no idea why this subway is stopped. It'll be a cause for speculation later. And then we get those, the caption that you mentioned the one hour later, which reminded me of the episode finally from season one, uh, the one that I love so much where we're getting captions throughout and about, you know, everybody doing finals and how much time I have left to study. So they're using that again here to show us how much time is elapsing underground. Yes. And I do like that too. I mean, it's a while. It is. It's going to end up, I think the last time we see one of those captions, it's been three and a half hours, which is bananas. Um, I did not necessarily think it was realistic. I think there would be a little bit more complaint <laughs> from the people <laughs> on it. Like, did, did any of those people have somewhere to be? We hear one of the guys, um, you know, who was on his way to get a loan. So you figure he missed his appointment. But, you know, why was everybody else riding the subway? Why don't they have a, like, <laughs> we're, we're trying to get here. We're trying to get there. Somebody's waiting for me. Um, I would have expected a little bit more impatience, to be honest. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like these people, you know, they found something to focus on. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really what happened. Mm-hmm. They, um, they sat there for an hour I mean, sure, they could have hit the red button and tried to complain to somebody, but like, seriously, who, who, mm-hmm. like, nobody's listening to you. Yeah. Um, which is is why nervous bald guy is like, we should run for it because you know sarin gas. Hmm. Um. I enjoyed the moment when he's the first moment when it was such a New York moment when he, when he just. Yes says into the abyss of the subway car that he's in and the other people who were in there he says is this normal and nobody moves nobody responds nobody even notices that he's talked but exactly. he, everybody notices but they're all ignoring him and i was like oh that's new york yep and then uh then he keeps going because he's actually a conspiracy theorist yeah i mean he may he may be he is talking about real stuff Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that one moment was priceless. I especially like that he was talking to, and he looks right at the guy who I will continue to call the judge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the guy 
like absolutely 100% shuts him down, like doesn't mm-hmm. even look at him, makes no movement with his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like he doesn't even exist. Um, yeah, so fun stuff. And then, you know, once we've come back, uh, so it, it's an hour later, this guy says this thing, and now the salesperson is, is back. Micro-entrepreneur. Micro-entrepreneur, and he yeah. goes up to Julie, <laughs> and he sees that she has a guitar. So he, why she's bringing this to the modern, I'm not sure, but uh, she is. Uh, it works out very conveniently. <laughs> um, and he sees that she has a guitar, so he thought, for sure, you need a harmonica, too. So he's got, you know, something to sell and he's going to try to sell her a harmonica. Which, you know, makes complete sense because um, she she obviously wants to be the female uh, Bob Dylan, who's known for his singing. Um, Maybe not so much. Mm -hmm. But uh, I also enjoyed that he, he was like, she was like, I don't, I don't want that. And he's like, no, come on. I'm not going to sell you this one. I have ones that are all like wrapped up in plastic. So I'm, I'm not giving you my like saliva filled, you know, gross uh, harmonica here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and I thought Julie was handling it just fine. Like Felic- the fact that Felicity felt the need to stand up and like, shoo this guy away from her i mm-hmm. was just like really yeah because all she wanted to do was sit down and keep talking mm-hmm. so i'm like come on yeah i don't know i feel like it's a felicity thing to do i suppose that she's just like i'm gonna butt back into this situation and um this guy's got a scram for me to do that so she she tells this guy to get lost and just sits right down next to Julie again, as if Julie's given her any indication that she wants that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now Felicity gets to the heart of the matter. She's sitting next to Julie and she's like, Hey, I heard about your song. Yeah. Um, I really wish we'd heard the song. <laughs> Well, I think we uh, get into yeah. a loose conversation about, yeah, we don't hear the song, but we heard enough lyrics from Megan to understand that uh, some overt things were said about her. We haven't heard yet that the name of the song is Felicity. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, so, and Julie's performing it in public and she's citing free speech as, you know, it's totally okay to do that. And I wasn't singing it to make you come running to me. Um, and, you know, Felicity, <laughs> Julie makes like a note about, you know, this is just how I deal with my anger. And Felicity is like, oh, so this is you after you've dealt with your anger? <laughs> ah, <laughs> And you certainly don't get that sense at all because Julie is icy cold and Felicity. I mean, at the end of the day, a song like this, I don't know. At what point can you start to say, like, not that Felicity is going to go out and get Judd to be her lawyer for this, but, um, (laughs) you know, Julie performing a song with Felicity's name as a title. She's saying mean things about her. I would, 
I don't know, there might be recourse for Felicity here if she really wanted to take it, but um, I mean, it would have to be under slander, right? Yeah, I would and think, right? Nothing that Julie is saying is categorically untrue. Sla- that we've heard of Washington of. Square Park. Um, I don't see how we yeah. get there. Okay. It's yeah, slander, but but she's not going to do that. We know she's not going to do that. Yeah, well, she'd rather repair the relationship with Julie probably than get Judge be her lawyer. But um, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, it is it's a bold move, and I think it is sort of an interesting thing to think about what Julie thought was going to happen when she performed this. Because yes, she wrote a song. Yes, she performed it. But she's performing it at a place where most of her friends regularly go and chances were that somebody was going to bring this information back to Felicity and Julie had to know that. So was she doing this because she wanted to hurt Felicity, but never thought that Felicity would ever approach her about it. She knows Felicity. Um, Felicity was probably going to make a beeline for Julie after finding this out. I mean, what do you think was Julie's motivation here? Do you think she was in fact, assuming that a conversation would spring from this or do you think she was just like I want to hurt Felicity and I'm not thinking about what happens after that I don't think it was either of those things I think it was what she said it was this is how she processes her emotions Mm -hmm. she writes songs she was real mad and hurt and this is the song she wrote and yeah maybe there is a bit of spite in playing it but that's part of her therapeutic kind of practice is you write a song so that you can play it um maybe she didn't have to name it felicity Mm -hmm. i think that that was a bit much but i had a feeling that her expectation probably was that felicity would come and talk to her and that julie would just shut it down Mm -hmm. like she did not expect to be stuck on a subway for like five plus hours yeah Um, well that's unfortunate for julie this is what happens when you go passive aggressive sometimes you get stuck on a subway car for all these hours and uh yeah yeah, you're forced to deal with it but then we're going to come back to that but for now we're going to go back to modern where ruby and noel are waiting for felicity felicity's late we know where felicity is we know why she's late but they don't know so they're just Killing time, talking about, you know, Noel brings up his G-Shock watch. Ruby's like, oh, wow, you're a real geek. Noel thinks, oh, she's not into me. This was a mean thing to say. She doesn't like me. She's like, no, no, no. I like that kind of thing. He's like, oh. Uh, So basically she goes into this whole story about guys with smooth hands. She grabs Noel's hand. They're having this tactile moment. She's saying, yeah, way back when. The leaders were the guys with the rougher hands, but somewhere along the way that changed and the guys, the smoother hands became the real men. And I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. Guys with smooth hands. <laughs> I would just like all of the listeners to know what a pro Melissa is because for like the last 45 seconds, I just put a giant picture of Magenta and Columbia up for Marky Horror Picture Show. Uh-huh. And she absolutely as I guess a New Yorker or former New Yorker pretended that it didn't happen at yeah. all and just kept talking I'm about uh, keep it on point Noel's smooth hands yeah um but yeah that's that's what I was thinking yeah um 
So we're we're just gonna leave that up for her to enjoy. Um, and yeah, the whole smooth hands thing, yes, it's certainly it's an ego boost for Noel. Um, it's like, ah, I'm manly. Um, I don't think it translates. Like I don't I don't think it's so great for today to be talking about like who's a real man and who's not based on basic, basically class. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not the best. I mean, I had a, had a bit of a reaction to that, but I feel like this, I don't know, maybe, maybe. You had a, re- a reaction to a couple of things that came up around class in this episode. Yeah. Um, definitely a lot of, I mean, we'll get into it in the whole, like, trial. Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically what I considered it. But, like, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, I don't think a lot of this episode aged well. Yeah. Even though I really did like it as an episode. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it, it certainly was, I feel like, a I mean, I don't know her that well yet, but I'm beginning to get to know her. And I feel like this is a very Ruby comment. Yeah. Yeah. She's like repeating something she heard with like eyes wide that, and and she just seems so enthralled with Noel. Yeah. She does. I mean, I think this is how I see her. And I when in the first was was last episode, the first episode we saw her in, I think it was, yeah. Um she when you were like, what's underneath? She's so nice, what's underneath it? And you were like suspecting all these things that might be underneath. And it's like, well, I don't know that that's the case. I think that's she's this is sort of face value. Well, I was saying she she could play those roles well, mm-hmm. but I my real um, my real thoughts were that she was probably just dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't know if there's a ton of depth to her. I don't know that I think she's dumb. I think there's not a lot of depth to her, and I don't know that they make a lot of effort to give her a lot of depth. They're going to give her a whole plot line that gives her depth, but does she have a as a person have it. Um, I don't know. I mean, you see the conversations she's having with Noel in this episode and it's like, "Mm, what was the depth conversation? You know, if we're thinking about this episode being called the depths, which, 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 how did she contribute to that theme? (laughs) I'm not sure. Was it the conversation about zap glue? Like I, you know, like I'm not, I'm not sure that she has a lot of layers as a person that they're showing to us. They're going to, like I said, they're going to give us layers in her story, but it doesn't feel like that's coming from within her. Um, so I'm calling her dumb and you're calling her shallow. Um, but I also don't think I don't shallow like her. has a connotation of like, does shallow have a connotation of like, I'm looking in the mirror. Does there, is there a vanity component to it or have I conflated those two things and shouldn't? I mean, I think it's sometimes they are put together. A lot of the time they're put together Mm -hmm. in terms of like, what do you value? Well, 
I value looks. But when you think about Ruby, what is she talking about towards the end? She's like, he's a hottie. He's a, like, it's all about the looks. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so maybe I am saying that. I mean, I definitely, I think for me, it's less about her being done as much as it's about like, she just doesn't give us a lot. Uh, it, she doesn't have a ton of analytical thought that she's digging through on a day-to-day basis and you don't have to but this is all we know about her right now so she's just Mm kind of like the uh we're here to talk about something that has some fluff to it um and she seems happy enough so like who are we to judge yeah right i mean maybe that's why she seems happy enough exactly uh meanwhile we head back to the subway where it's not a happy situation. No, um, no. Felicity is trying to figure out whether Julie is passive aggressive or aggressive aggressive, which I liked to the distinction there. Cause well, and that, that was what we had talked about with Noel, I think mm-hmm. earlier. We're like, is he passive aggressive or is he aggressive aggressive? Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I think, again, I think, Julie was trying to work this out. She's trying to work out her feelings. I think the passive aggressive part was calling the song Felicity. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a big move. Goes over the line. And knowing knowing that she was singing it in Epstein Bar where everybody that they know goes. So Felicity was but, a known entity at that place. Felicity yeah. could have been there herself. Felicity's friends live over it. You know, it's like a big choice that she's it pretending is, is a non-choice. I and don't it's think not. she's pretending. I think she feels fully 100% justified mm-hmm. in doing exactly what she's doing. Yeah. She is so pissed and she is so like in her feels that like she just can't see Felicity's side of it. She feels betrayed and basically it's all you know it's kind of all about Julie for Julie right now right Mm -hmm. it's like I'm mad at you I'm fully justified in being mad at you and it doesn't matter what I do I want nothing to do with you Mm -hmm. so I don't care what you think Mm -hmm. um and again did not expect to be stuck for five plus hours confronting this. I think, it, did it end up being five? I think it was three and a half last time I noticed. Um, it was a long time at, at this point or total, I, I meant total. Yeah, later on, uh, the last time I remember seeing a caption, it said three and a half hours, which isn't yet. Um, oh, it's still quite I thought a long I had seen regardless. five something at the end. Could have been, I might have missed that. Um, Regardless, a but long we time. are back in the subway. There's speculation starting to happen now. Did the subway hit someone? Somebody posits that theory. Um, you know, then there's this whole conversation around, sure could have been. There are more people who live underground. That's like, what? Uh, yeah, and then I we get, <laughs> we get the one the moment section. with the guy, the, the micro-entrepreneur guy who, yeah. um, he, that... I don't know what show tone this was. I love it. I loved it so much. There was this moment where he starts walking away and he turns around and he goes, it ain't right underneath this city. 
And then the camera pan like zooms all the way into his face at a slightly upward angle. And it's like, it just ain't right. And I was like, what show did this become for? Oh my God. And I wrote down the, the earlier line that he says right before that, which is, you know, he says there's mole people and he, and he looks around the car and says, what you call darkness, they call home. Yeah, it was like, what, what type of movie did that come from? It was like an action flick that he I'm... was acting in an action flick and everybody else was acting in something completely different, but that had been written in. It wasn't his choices. These were camera <laughs> angles and like, you know, they, if this wasn't this actor making this call, it was like, this guy's in an action movie and everybody else is in something different, like a crime drama. <laughs> Well, I mean, I I got at certain points, again, like Walking Dead vibes. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, we, for those who have watched it, we've seen this scene. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, I don't know. I enjoyed the mole people. I, I mean, there really wasn't another theory put out. I think um, it was like, pretty it was much. Like, we hit somebody. I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> I I don't know about you. I've been on the metro a couple of times when someone's been hit. Mm. Like, it happens. Yeah. Um, I don't so, know how they would gather that information though, because it didn't seem like anybody except for the guy. The guy up, who... probably walked up to the um, first car. Yeah, I mean, that guy is on the train like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So he knows all the conductors. Otherwise, they'd be chasing him off. Yeah. But well, yeah, you know, the only speculation seemed to be like who they hit, why, you know, did someone mean to jump? Like what happened? And then we got real dark with it. Yeah. And That's then. Just staying right underneath the city. Uh, a whole discussion about mole people. That's that's where it started. We haven't seen him yet, but they talked about him. They set it up for us. And now yeah. we're going to go to a completely different vibe altogether. We're going to go back to Dean and DeLuca. We are. And here we finally get the name. Oh, my God. I love this so much. This whole Jeez. conversation between Sean and Ben. Their comedic okay. timing nailed it. They've, they've They've got, it's okay. ironed out. They know exactly what they're doing with each other as actors. <laughs> Sean is thinking of the name Smoothies, but upon Ben's not loving it reaction at first, Sean shares the other names he's been <laughs> workshopping. <laughs> the first one is my favorite. Which one was it? Fat, fantastic. Fat-tastic. Oh, fantastic. And then Ben goes, fat tastic <laughs> with the most incredulous, like, there's no way that's something you wrote in your book. Um, here's, here's the list. Oh, yeah. With some of them getting equally incredulous rejections from Ben. So he says, fat tastic, <laughs> must ooze. Oh, yes. Lard spread. <laughs> Wasabi goose. Yeah, I don't. Spice Oreo. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Zestrika, which I actually think that was probably the best one. Really? I think that sounds like a feminine hygiene. Okay. Spread. Oh, well, there you go. That's why you got to workshop these. So, mm-hmm. uh, when Sean's done running through the whole list, Ben's like, well, yeah, I guess smoothies is the best. Yep. <laughs> oh, so it's going to be smoothies now forever. That's it. Oh my goodness. It happened. They, they've decided on the name of this thing. And I guess it, I guess smoothies is better than fat tastic. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> What a great one well, to start with. <laughs> I also enjoy lard spread because, frankly, that's just lard. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. That's already spreadable. Yeah, he hasn't invented that, really. No. Um, wasabi <laughs> goose. I just, yeah. I know. I feel like there are different things in different versions of this because lard spread has nothing to do with wasabi yeah so if we're trying to think about what the ingredients are here yeah it includes probably some sort of lard some sort of mustard paprika is what i'm thinking when i hear a zestrika but i also think of lemons Uh, wasabi yeah definitely wasabi and then smoothies implies mayonnaise right and but i think of Spicerio as having a very unfortunate Mexican, you know, bent. So jalapenos mm-hmm. probably are in there. So I'm not sure how all of these are under the same <laughs> like consideration. And it's definitely maroon, mm-hmm. as we saw from the bowl, which could be the paprika. Could be paprika if you use enough of it. Yeah. He, there's going to be a, an episode later where somebody tastes it and they're like picking like little bits of like a <laughs> flex of something out of their mouth. And I don't know what that is. Um, they're like Not almost like they, fi- they found something like there's like a flake of something that they're having yeah. to chew when they don't want to be. Um, <laughs> and it's like, I don't know what is in this concoction or why all of these names are possible names because if all of these things are ingredients, Sean, Sean, um, wow. I mean, he's not a chef. Um, no, he's, he's not. not. And unfortunately, he's a, yeah. a chef or a caterer now does walk up. Yes. And, and she's, I just wrote the bitches back. Yeah. Um, she needs 75 cookies now. Arr. Yes. 25 of each of these kinds. And can he please just make it happen? I think it was chocolate chip, oatmeal, raisin, and cinnamon sugar. She wants 25 of each. She needs 75. And if he could just make that happen, like, right now, you know, that that would be great because she's got a schedule. And she definitely finds him sitting sitting down talking to a friend who is not in Dean DeLuca attire. So yeah. Ben makes a point to say, okay, I'm on my break. You know, like, he he's like happy to deal with your crisis, except let's acknowledge that I'm on my break and you're interrupting me. And he's, he is being polite ish and also pushing back. You know, he's like, trying to walk that line between getting fired by Javier and like, also stop it. Stop being like this. Um, and frankly, there probably were people walk that line. Well, okay. Fair enough. He, but realistically, there were probably people 
behind the counter or at the register also working that shift who she could have approached and instead she's like oh this is the guy i bothered before right well he's also probably closer Mm -hmm. and um and she's on a schedule but yeah he is not kidding around i mean he gives it back to her he's like look you know you're crazy you're freaking out fine like i'm happy to help you with your little cookie thing you know but but treat me like a light yeah like yeah like i'm happy to help people as long as they're polite about it and like i'm on my break um you know uh, i hi maggie since i saw that on your credit card when you shoved it in my face earlier yeah i'm a human yeah i think him saying that he's on his break isn't him trying to say i'm not going to help you it's him saying um look i'm on a break so if you're going to interrupt me be nice about it you you know like i don't even think it was about the break because the break doesn't come up till like halfway through what he's saying yeah, he's just I mean, it's of sort of an add-on at the end. Yeah, he's kind of. I mean, his basic point is, you're rude, mm-hmm. and I don't really like. I'm happy to help people if they're not totally rude and bitchy. Yeah, but you are, so I'm not that happy to help you. Yeah, and I didn't think he was gonna help her if she didn't do something about it. And yeah. Yeah, he held his ground pretty well and i think yeah. you know that point around i am a human my name is ben hey this is my buddy sean that i'm on a break with right now i happen to know that you are maggie not because you introduced yourself because you shoved your business card in my, your credit card in my face so i think he's like really positioned it like be a human starting now well i don't even know that he expected that i think he just he was just like you're he he just had it. He yeah. just had it. He was like, I don't even care if I get fired. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not putting up with you. Yeah. And I don't know that he had any expectations about what was going to happen next, but she was into it. Mm-hmm. She, she was like, was like, ooh, a man who can stand up to me. Look at this. Man. Yeah. Ooh. You definitely uh, saw the look. Like, Terry Polo uh, definitely executed the look that I think they were asking such a her good to actress. do. They were She's like so good. him doing this gets your attention in a way that kind yeah. of turns you on. And yeah. like message received. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like, I felt like she did a really effective job at just like transitioning from total freak out mode to who's this guy? Yeah. It was like, he snapped her out of it. And, and I think two things happened there. One, I think she liked, you know, being told off a bit and Uh i also think she looked at him because before she was looking at her phone she was looking at something she was throwing the card in it like she didn't look at him Uh and then in this moment she turns and she looks at him and is probably like damn Uh like look at this guy uh and so then she sits down and is very coy Mm -hmm. is is very you know polite um in asking for her 75 cookies and then to me at that moment like he had checked her out earlier 
like mm-hmm. let's admit like he was looking out the window at her mm-hmm. and even when she came in the first time he was a little amused but by this second time when he's going to like check on the cookies i don't feel like he is interested anymore she's just like he's like i'm gonna be a good guy i'm gonna go do this fine um but now she's she's the one who's gonna be coming coming up on the perhaps rough rough-handed former manly man mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> you know the yeah. uh the leader of the what, what were they called oh blanking on things hmm. um neo the leader of the pack vroom vroom uh close uh <laughs> No, the ones who club, uh, club I think. yeah, basically, but it's like Neo, okay, Neo lights, Neo. All right, I'm not prepared to give you a word for that, but <laughs> I, if you know, that's okay. Sometimes we just have to let it go and accept All that. Right. People I, know what I'm talking about. In the, the last week, I was having a people. conversation with somebody in an on an evening. And then I was like, oh, what is the thing I'm thinking of? What's the show? What's the, and 12 <laughs> hours later, I remember yeah. yeah, that's where I'm at nowadays. Um, <laughs> that was a real hard look at my, uh, my aging process. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, it's a, that's what's happening. That's what happens. It's what happens. Can I just tell you a cafe related story that has actually nothing to do with this, but is just like the, what happens when you have power as a worker in a cafe. Absolutely. Um, so at, at the school that we went to, I, up until my senior year, I always had, I, I always had work study jobs, including my senior year, but up until senior year, they were generally in food service because that's where the bulk of the food, the uh, work study jobs were. And there were all different kinds of food service jobs. I did things like food meal prep in our biggest cafeteria, but the best job I had in food prep or, or in uh, food service was working at this one cafe that was in sort of like our main quad area. And a lot of faculty would come in during the day and uh, and some students as well, but it was kind of like a more posh place to be. And it was fun. Um, and we had, and I loved the people that I worked with there. And it was usually like me and maybe one person who worked full time and another person doing a work study job. And we had all these fun little like flavors of muffins. And there was one called the orange blossom muffin that a lot of people really enjoyed. And then one day I realized we didn't have orange blossom muffins. And I was, and I asked one of the people working, what? happened to the orange blossom muffins and she said to me oh we're not going to have them anymore i think the company doesn't make them they're not sending them to us it's like oh that's unfortunate all right well now i considered myself armed to be able to explain this to customers so some weeks later there's a person who came up who obviously had been missing her orange blossom muffins and she was like she came up she's like can i have an orange blossom muffin like just giving it another shot and i said to her i'm so sorry we don't have orange blossom muffins. In fact, we're never going to have orange blossom muffins again. The company doesn't make them anymore. We're not going to have them anymore. I know you like it, but maybe find a new favorite muffin. (laughs) And then she's like, oh my God. 
And she got something else like a lemon poppy seed muffin. And then she walked away. And wouldn't you know, later in the day, as I'm looking down at the muffins, like as you know, it's a quiet moment, we don't have people in line, I just casually rest my eyes on all the muffins. And there's a whole bin of orange blossom muffins. What? That I just hadn't noticed. And because I had this story in my head that we were never going to have them again, I was blocking it out of my brain. And I convinced her, <laughs> even though she was looking at a whole bin of orange blossom muffins, she walked away with like a lemon poppy seed muffin because I had magic tricked her out of thinking <laughs> that we carried the very muffin that was, she, she could see. It was right there. And we thought, wow, something about this, you know, you just never know. The customer is always right, except in situations where you accidentally just convince them of something else. (laughs) In my situation, look, this has nothing to do with this plot. I don't know why this story is coming up for me, but it is. And I'm just telling you that in that situation, I convinced somebody that we were not carrying something that was plainly in front of their eyes. And in this, (laughs) this episode, Ben snaps Maggie out of her entire personality. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Uh, Um, Those two things are not at all related. They're not all related, but do you like uh, that I tried to make a connection? I do. That was a a valiant effort. And it gave me time to come up with the word Neanderthal. Oh, yes. There we go. Okay, guys. (laughs) Look, everything is right with the world. I hope you enjoyed this 40 minute diversion from the plot of this episode. No, it wasn't 40 minutes, but we, um, you know, sometimes we just need to talk and then we get back to it. We're not done yet. So it might end up being 40 minutes. Um, Well, shall we go back to the subway car? I think we should, because this is the, the second time in this episode that Felicity apologizes. Ah. Um, first, she apologizes, but in the same breath calls Julie like passive aggressive and aggressive. And so I feel like that's not really an apology. Um, and this time she apologizes again. And Julie's just like, for like, what are you sorry about? Give me more information. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm sorry that I hurt you. And Julie just looks at her and says, would you do it again if you could? And <laughs> Felicity clearly would. And so Julie's still pissed. She's like, look, we're not, we're not doing this. Like, we're not going to get past this and be friends if you don't think you've done anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, You didn't do the right thing. And that's what it is. And Felicity is saying, look, had you guys been dating, you know, and, and the right thing isn't always very clear. And the two of them are going from the feels to the intellectual arguments back and forth and back and forth and just shut up. <laughs> yes. One of Love the guys sitting guy. next to them has had enough. Yeah, I had to. I was 
on board with this guy. Okay. Yeah. You seem like him. you were really supporting him stepping in here. I very much was. This guy, as we are about to learn, you know, a little bit more about a lot of the people on this subway car, this particular guy, he was on his way to get a loan for his family so they can eat. So he's looking at these two, like you don't have problems, but why are you the loudest people in my ears right now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he says, you know, and I, I wrote it, I wrote this down in the way I did because I feel like this again, maybe didn't age so well. Um, but what we're looking at is a bit of a cross section of, I guess, New York and wherever the pill guy is from, mm-hmm. but we've got, um, what seems to be a white male who's getting hysterical. We mm-hmm. have a middle-aged black guy. We have a, you know, white woman, a black woman, a Jewish guy. Let's just admit, I mean, there's a lot of stereotypes going on here. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, the black yeah. guy can't feed his family. I don't know why he's getting a loan because I'm just saying like there are a lot of programs out there, especially national, like from SNAP all the way down to, um, you know, state of New York stuff. So I'm just. I think he was consolidating the words around what his problem yeah. was and what his next steps were because that he was not the focus of this episode. So I think him interjecting there wasn't meant to be like, uh, well, that, you know, the dots don't line up all the way here. I feel like we're skipping some things with him. We were. And yeah. it was more about him saying, I've got problems. You don't. Yeah. And, like, and, like yours, yours are, as he says, like luxury items. Yeah. And then this white woman, oh my God. She says, I understand. I saw rent. Yeah. Oops. Oh my God. Oof. And then, and then an older woman is like, broken hearts are problems. Um, yeah, so we're getting an older real... black woman mm-hmm. as I, I just look, it's, it's how they meant to portray them. Mm-hmm. So it's how I'm saying it. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's like broken heart can be just as bad as a broken rib. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the guy on the pill sides with Julie for no apparent reason. Um, I think it was because of the pills and I have a couple questions about that. One, where did he get a pillow, a pill? Mm-hmm. Uh, and two, can I have one? Well, I'm assuming that it was like anti-anxiety something or other. And the fact that they were stuck in a subway car at this point for somewhere between one hour and three and a half hours that he had decided it was a good or time five. to take it. Yeah. He needed to take that pill. Um, and he was, uh, he was not anxious, but he was open with his thoughts he said, Julie has been betrayed and I'm on our side. Mm-hmm. And the the black guy was like, nobody gets my sympathy. Like, mm-hmm. you're all just still crazy young white women talking about nothing. Mm-hmm. And then the unfortunate portrayal of the Jewish attorney. Mm-hmm. Judd um, Berman. Yeah. He's the only one who gets a full name. In fact... He's the only one who gets a name. Yeah. Because he has to say it. You yeah. Know? 
He's like, here's my card. Um, he's like, you know what? We're going to turn this circus into a courtroom. Mm-hmm. We're going to take this cross section of New York here and uh, just we're, we're going to create a trial. It is the trial of Felicity and Julie's relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, first up, everything Evan has wanted play the song mm-hmm. and then cut she commercial. pulls the guitar out we cut to commercial and we come back and you're like oh end of the song people clap I know. and you so were like upsetting. no yeah so upsetting yeah certainly done on purpose uh we never hear the song but now everybody who's talking about the song has heard the song uh across the entire show <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those, it's kind of a fun reversal of that idea. You know, sometimes when you've got the dramatic irony where like everybody in the audience knows something that the character doesn't. And this is the reverse. This is every character knows something that the audience doesn't. And it drove you absolutely bananas. So I it guess did. you don't love that technique. I don't. And and they say, because I think we've both taken some, some writing courses, um, they say not to do that when you're writing because whatever perspective you're speaking from as like the narrator in this case basically going between third person no is it's not really third person omniscient it's third person within each person's head at whatever time Uh right or experience they're having that you should never have something that that is from that perspective and then have have something that would be unknown that someone should know given that that is the perspective it's told and told from so like I mean, felicity and julie we are hearing about the, all of this kind of from their perspective from kind of a third person over their head and like <laughs> They both have heard the song and we haven't. And they're like, yeah, don't but do I, this. I think it drives people crazy. Yeah, but I think that this kind of thing has been done before and has worked in this show where like Megan's box is a whole thing around that, right? Like we, if you don't I like the mystery are of Megan's running box. running jokes that work like no one ever meets Norm's wife in Cheers, yeah, right? Nobody ever meets Maris, right? In right. Richard. Nobody ever meets Maris in um in Frasier and nobody ever knows what's in Megan's box but to do it in a single episode I like I don't associate this with the box I don't think it's yeah you want this joke at this point yeah yeah but they're all bored and the lawyer's about to start asking questions and I think he asked some good ones so yeah i think his like he goes through some basic establishing questions like so you're angry with each other right like oh it's like some really simple ones and then he hits julie with a hard one which is so okay so julie don't you live with ben now and she's like yeah she's like so why did you forgive ben but not forgive felicity and then we kind of linger on that like i feel like his questions were simple Mm -hmm. until he hit her with that one um and she doesn't it's something that he just start. we just sort of leave her sitting with that. And Felicity's like, yeah, but it's more about like letting that sit with Julie um, to think about as we progress into this trial. Um, 
And we actually interrupt the trial here to go back to some other, uh, to another scene. Yeah, I, we'll I come think back with to that question point. and with the next question in the trial, I think he's also, some of these people are speaking on behalf of the audience because mm-hmm. these are some of the things we've been thinking, right? Yeah. So I think that's nice. Um, yeah. I apologize for this next scene just in general. I'm sorry. Um, do you not want to talk about it? We can just not talk about it. We'll gloss over it. Yeah, we'll just say, look, Ruby still doe-eyed, still likes Noel. For some reason, him being disgusting doesn't completely turn her off. It makes her think he's hot. And let's move on. Yeah, his story, for those of you who are wondering why we're moving on, is Noel grossing her out with a story about him and one other guy projectile vomiting after trying to have an eating contest. This is not funny! I, I think this episode's going to get dinged. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. let's go back underground. Yes. <laughs> let's go back to the mole people. Yeah. This, so at this point, we get a caption that comes up on the screen that says three and a half hours underground right here. Yeah, there's definitely another caption after this. Okay. So uh, at this moment, we've got three and a half hours in and it's a free for all. I think we we cut into the, we were we're the camera shows us the the subway underground, and then we hear the sound of all the people arguing before we go into the car. Yeah. Um, so you can see this has become somewhere along the way. This has become a widely openly discussed debate among everybody who's on this particular subway car. Yeah, I mean they're bored. And. So the guy, the micro-entrepreneur guy, yep. asks a question nobody should be asking at this point. He's like, wait, who's Ben again? And everybody's <laughs> like, oh, my God, this guy. I had, Fish, I had a kid. They're in high school. who was like this. I'm not going to name him. But uh, <laughs> any class that he was in. And I, I, don't, I don't even want to laugh at this because I, I don't know what was happening with him. But... Any class that I had with him, whatever we were talking about for 40 minutes, no matter what the subject matter was, like it it makes sense in a class, you start with, you know, the simple, here's what we're going to discuss today, you know, introducing like the simple point around it. And then you get more complex with that idea as the episode, as the class goes on. Mm -hmm. That's the normal flow of things. And inevitably, within the last five minutes, he would raise his hand and very genuinely ask, (laughs) like, the most simple question you could ask. Like, you know, we would be talking about something in algebra and he'd be like, what's algebra? You know, it was like, (laughs) you, you know, it was like the very thing they started with and then you built from there for the rest of the class he'd go mm-hmm. back to like the first two minutes of what was said and have a question about the root of it. And then it happened every single time. And it was, and it, on the one hand, it sounds funny. And on the other hand, it was like, what is happening with this guy? Is he in the right classes? And inevitably the teachers would be ripping their hair out. Cause it was <laughs> like, so he's gotten nothing from the last 38 minutes of this class. Mm-hmm. And nobody else has this question. 
<laughs> like it was just like, what can I, when I, what can I do for this boy? Um, and I, I think about him sometimes, whatever became of him, he just had a way of boiling it down to its simplest form and not understanding it at the end of <laughs> a long discussion about that topic. Mm. And it's exactly like this guy who's now been privy to, I don't know how many hours at this point have elapsed. About three and a half, right? Yeah, somewhere, well, like somewhere between one hour and three and a half hours. Two and a half hours of it. Let's say two and a half hours of them talking about this triangle. There's only (laughs) one other person in the triangle uh, that really matters here. I mean, Noel might've been brought up somewhere along the way, but like, if you're wondering who's involved. (laughs) (laughs) After all this time, you're still like, who's Ben? Oh, this guy. This guy. Um, I mean, look, he had other stuff to focus on. He was selling watches and harmonicas and everything. Like, he had to do all the calculations for the sale to let everybody know there was the standing still. You know, we're not going anywhere sale. Mm-hmm. You know, 20% off everything. Mm-hmm um he's hustling you know he's he's working he doesn't have time for this so something that i like about most of the people who are interjecting into this trial or at this point it's not trial anymore it's just free for all um (laughs) is somewhere along the way probably most audience perspectives hopefully are encapsulated in something somebody is saying I don't know if that's true for everybody but i think they were trying to be a voice to as many people as possible in this situation and there was one and guy they got I you with. yeah they got you big time because i heard that line and i was like well melissa's been saying that from the start that one guy said two things i was like I, that's exactly like this character is meant to be representing me and then there might and have he been is a young black man yeah and and to be fair like there were probably other characters whose viewpoints were reflecting other people's perspectives of the Julie and Felicity dynamics. So it's not to say that because this perked my ears up, this is what everybody took away. But I'm, I think, I'm hoping they were trying to call in most of the audience into this argument. Um, And this one guy said two things. I think the first thing he said was well, it's no surprise Felicity is going to go back to Ben. Like, didn't she, wasn't she into him to begin with? And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, say it, man, who's not named. You're the most important character in the show right now. He Validation. also, and I don't know if it came before or after this, but at the point when Felicity makes a comment like, you were broken up with Ben. And that same guy is like, wait, 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 wait. So what are we talking about here? You were broken up. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> oh boy. But I more so resonated with that earlier thing that, or the first thing I pointed out that he said um, where she was, where it was, like you said, it's been something that I've been saying, like Felicity came to school interested in Ben. Julie, I feel broke a code and you're going after Ben to begin with. And so, yeah, Felicity also broke this code, but they've both done it now. Not, it's not one-sided. Um, and so to hear that reflected in this debate was fun for me. But I'm curious, Fish, was there somebody in this group who shared a point of view that you were like, yes, the thing I've been trying to say? 
Yeah, I mean, there was this one guy who was like, oh, uh, so you had a bunch of boyfriends, Julie. Uh, You're just like a sex toy, huh? Uh, I mean, it's totally a compliment. Like, I like girls like you. And I mean, I know that that is my philosophy on life. Um, I think all women should be treated like that. Um, I hope I've made that very clear. And um, and that guy is my hero. Dennis. Uh, Dennis, it was real off-putting. <laughs> that comment. I was like, wow. I wonder how that was supposed to land. Uh, probably creepy AF. Uh, right, that's my guess. The thing is, then they've got so like at first they like made the subway car dead silent for him to say this, and you see Felicity's reaction, which is like, "Did you just say sex toy?" <laughs> and the thing is, when he's done saying it, because he's he like you said, he comes back around to, "No, I'm not saying that as a judgment. I I've dated girls like you. I applaud you, baby." And when he says that. The rest of the guys in the subway car are like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, who what yep. happened here, Jake? Well, no, this? I think that actually makes a lot of sense because right, we always think of Julie as broken, you know? There's there's something that has happened in mm. her the past life that makes her think it's okay for guys to rape her. Mm-hmm. Right. Like she says she's had a lot of boyfriends and Felicity is her first real like best friend who's a girl. Mm-hmm. And I think him interjecting like that was just to sort of underscore the way that she has been treated mm-hmm. and just the way that that having boyfriends like that you know traumatize women and and felicity then jumps in with now hold on like it's not always like that like not only did i not have any friends i didn't have any boyfriends so like they're now having an argument over who's the biggest loser um, yeah, I do think that was, I, I think as gross as Dennis was, I think it did something really interesting in the nature of the conversation after that, because on the one hand, it sort of put Julie on this, Julie and Felicity kind of on the same side for a second again, like, uh, in a weird way, you know, well, it wasn't as women, they were probably both like, ew. Yeah, so I think, and, and they were not, there was really no reason at any point before that in this conversation for them to have the same reaction to the same thing. Yeah. But although Felicity's reaction was a bit more expressive, I think they both were like, hey, 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 hey. And then <laughs> also the way that Felicity sort of interjects, and I don't, I don't know if it, it might've been standing up for Julie and it also might've been saying, I'm also a loser. I'm here too. Um, she, it also puts them kind of on the same side to both agree with like, neither of us had actually had a lot of female friendships before our freshman year of college any. or best friends or, or any female friends. So I think we've now, even though 
it was born out of this gross comment from the series of gross comments from Dennis. (laughs) We have suddenly found a way for them to be in alignment for a moment. Yeah. And I don't know. Do we want to say Dennis's comment was pivotal here? That jerk. Um, I don't. Know. I hey, I already called him a hero. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, if you if you want to laud more praise upon him, if feel we're free. attributing the restoring of Julie and Felicity's friendship to Dennis, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Um, I think he started. I think he's he sort of blew open a moment here, and then uh, you know the the older prophet guy. Uh, the guy I takes the him judge. the rest of the way. Yeah, I think it's the same guy that we're thinking of. Yeah. He takes it the rest of the way, but I suppose this is the first moment where they were willing to be on in agreement or in alignment on any single thing, or even not even so much in agreement as much as like they just were in alignment on this. Um, yeah, I mean, but I, I guess I think these moments they they occur and they help. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, none of them are really pivotal. And I think that's kind of the point of what the judge says. Mm-hmm. So we can get kind of into that. Um, well, in they interrupt it here, um, because we need well, to keep segueing between scenes. So there's, but we still have a couple of things that happen here. So mm-hmm. they're arguing over who's the biggest loser. Mm-hmm. And then the black woman turns to them and says, you know, maybe the train stopped to help you guys come back together. Like this is the reason behind it all. Mm -hmm. And somebody else is like, tell that to the guy who's dead on the tracks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And there we go. And then my dream came true. Uh Um, we start to see the mole people yes who you know again a little bit of a walking dead vibe but they're coming up they got spiky hair they got leather on they're just they're looking real you know like mole bdsm chic Mm -hmm. and And what I said was, oh, God, please let Megan be a mole person. You said it. I heard it. And once again, the show delivered within five seconds. They did. They gave me exactly what I wanted. And not only that, but they gave me extra. Because she's walking along as the fantastic, uh, you know, I assume mole priestess or princess that she is. And she sees felicity stuck in this car and she she's just disgusted she just rolls her eyes she's like you loser yeah yeah (sighs) yeah like it's it's like no you're the weird thing um yeah Yeah. (laughs) well this is her world this is this is where they call home and we call darkness Uh uh-huh yeah so there you have it but so let's have a brief moment back with the Maggie and Ben story. Yeah, let's have more apologizing. There's a lot of apologizing in this uh, yeah. episode. Yeah, these next two scenes are actually pretty quick. So the, the this this first scene is, you know, Maggie's just like, you know what? 
I was a jerk. Thanks for calling me out. And Ben's yep. like, we got over it. She's like, we did. And that's awesome. I see you. I really see you. Um, <laughs> no, she didn't say that, but I felt <laughs> that that was the underlying emotion. No, yeah, I agree. She looked up from her phone and was just like smacked in the face with an Adonis and was like, hey, sorry for being a jerk. Want to come to my party? Yeah, she invites him to the party that she's got all these brownies and cookies for because it's her way of formally apologizing. And trying to get in his pants. Probably that too. But... If we're talking about other people who are trying to get in their pants, we talked to Nolan Ruby. I just want to say on Maggie, I mean, it's clear that she's a lot older than him, Mm -hmm. right? So, so. So what do you think about Maggie? What do you, knowing that you think that she's a lot older than Ben, what do you think that means um, or where the story might be headed? Well, I think it also comes in towards the end when we see what the party looks like. I mean, she's, she's just more sophisticated and frankly i think into more intellectual than Mm -hmm. him yeah um but i just i love her so much as an actress it Mm -hmm. makes it really hard for me to dislike her okay i'm gonna have to see more uh, if i'm gonna dislike her because i'm kind of like cool like go for it uh, you know what? You're beautiful people. Like, go be beautiful together. You know, I think that without, uh, for your sake, spoiling, um, without spoiling things, it's not that Maggie is in the show forever. But I think that they gave her a lot of depth in a way that they didn't give Ruby. And, you know, of the stuff that, that we sense. will see from her, I don't think like you could have an opinion on what you think about her character. And then I think they give you enough information to fill out what's happening for her that it's not just like so easy to judge her. Um, I, I really think that they did Contrasting her to Ruby is an interesting thing for me to think about because she just, it's like one tone to Ruby and so many to Maggie, even if you compare each of their first episodes. So I don't know. I I think it's interesting to see them both in this episode and like back-to-back scenes so often because it's like, who is Ruby? Ruby doesn't know who Ruby is. And maybe because Maggie's older, Maggie knows who she is. And that comes across to me. Yeah, as I said, I think it's part of her, even like the outfits that she wears, Mm -hmm. um, the way she carries herself. I, I mean, I just feel like she's very sophisticated, very put together. Um, Susan level of put together. Yeah. I mean, like, I think she is. I think her outfits top Susan's outfit. 
Oh. I don't know about the the makeup. Okay. Um, but I, I, and again, it's hard to judge from this one episode, and just because. I mean, she's so talented. She's been in so many other things where I just loved her role. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard for me to separate them. Yeah. Um, but I feel like she's similar. It, like, even though she she went from, like, Frasier to Meet the Vloggers to, like, the West Wing, she actually wasn't quite in that order. Well, it may have been in that order with the first movie. Um I mean, let's not forget her experience in some 80s movies that uh, I'm trying to figure out which movie I saw her in somewhat recently that blew my mind. Go (laughs) IMDB this as you're talking about the the wonderful qualities of Terry Polo. She always has this way of carrying herself that makes you think she's classy. Mm -hmm. So I... I don't know. I can't really root against her. I mean, do I think she and Ben are, you know, long-term? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But I'm certainly along for the ride. Um, mystery date. I was actually 91. Mystery Ooh, date. Mystery date. It feels like a movie that was pulled from the 80s, but it was actually early, early 90s. 91. Close enough. Yeah. 91. <laughs> oh my, Terry Polo. Well, yeah. There she is. She's invited Ben to a party. There. She has. And um, uh, so you were about to say two other people looking to get in each other's pants. Yeah. Nolan Ruby. They're at probably his apartment now. And sure. he's telling her about After Effects, some sort of computer program. She's like, oh, yes, geek. And but then she's like, but have I told you? And then he's telling her about 3D models. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, but have you heard about Zap Glue? <laughs> and they go into this whole like metaphor for their lips. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's strange foreplay, but it's foreplay nonetheless, where they're talking about zap glue. And he's like, tell me what you love about zap glue. And she's like, I'll tell you what I love about zap glue. It's a two-part glue. Well, it's like, all right, fine. <laughs> all right. And it ends in a kiss because they're leaning in to hear more about the zap glue. But it's not about the zap glue, is the no, thing. It's not. No, <laughs> it was never about the zap glue. Never about the zap glue, the two-part glue. Um, Whatever that means. I don't know what it means. <laughs> Does it mean you have to put the glue on both things in order for it to stick? Because if so, is that great or not? Uh, I mean, we didn't get a full explanation, but it seemed like you were supposed to coat both of them with one half of the glue. Mm-hmm. And then there's another half that you just put one dot on. And maybe that's what creates the adhesion. So... Ruby, explain to me how this is better or different from contact cement, and then we can talk, okay? Um, or just regular glue. Just use regular glue. That's fine, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. But no that, again. look, we're, we're missing, obviously this warplate wouldn't have worked on us because, no. you know, we're just not in this room. But the, it's working for no. have smooth enough hands to maybe appreciate zap glue yeah mm-hmm. um but you know no he's thirsty again um he's ready for that kiss 
And what is up with him and kissing girls and then immediately falling on the ground? Because this is is the second time we've seen this move, which seems like it's not a great move. Yeah, especially when you break a model. But it's, uh, I don't know, he's assertive. Or just, like, not good at balancing. Yeah, it's like, it's it's like, you know, within two seconds of the kiss, he's like, we're doing this. And, you know, he just like goes for it. It's, it's, it's a lot with him. Um, but she's okay with it. I mean, it, the whole thing it. is very weird. I mean, I wrote first guess, kiss is okay, but weird. You know, I mean, hey, we've really given ourselves a day in the life of this new couple. And it's... um. Yeah. This is you their know, relationship. They're, she's into it. Mm-hmm. That's, and he's into it for all the times that she has now insulted him. And mm-hmm. I kind of put earlier on, I think I missed it. I put it somewhere in my notes. Uh, like, is Ruby the, like the nice Megan? Like she says what she thinks, even if it's really insulting, but she doesn't mean for it to be insulting. She's just trying to be nice. Yeah, it's kind of she's every everything she says is with this like la 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 sort of in her eyes. Yeah. And so it's hard to be angry with her because it's like, well, she, but she was saying la 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 behind it, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. she's a hot blonde, so really what do you complain about? Not much you can complain about in this situation. Um, so they're making out about Zap Blue or prompted by Zap Blue or over Zap Blue or they need Zap Blue because they broke the model. Um, <laughs> you know, that's how it is. It is back to the subway car. <laughs> yes, we finally are getting to the judge, and yeah. he is going to just lay it out there, he's going to give everyone some thoughts. Um, I would say I, I agree and disagree with different parts of what he says, but, but I know you, you know went back important. to watch it again. Yeah. You so. know, it's important because he said zero things up until this point, <laughs> you know, yeah. we are, I arguably three and a half to five hours into this and, um, He's said nothing. He's been staring straight forward, pretty much not acknowledging anybody on the subway car, which takes significant discipline to be that New Yorker. Um, And now after all these shenanigans, after hours of people just having this free for all of discussing this Julie and Felicity drama, he's finally gonna, he's finally gonna say his thing and because it's so strange for him to be talking, everybody shuts up and listens to him. And it's like a pin could drop on the subway car. And he says the thing that you figure is like the point the writers are trying to make in the show, speaking through him. He's the oldest man on the car, right? I would think. He had a friend for 63 years that he's thinking about. So he's probably the oldest Um the oldest person on like, I don't I can't think of even any other women on the car who are older than him. So he's coming at it with like the I'm gonna give you the, the wisdom exper- yeah, the wisdom of my experience. Mm-hmm. 
And he comes in with this totally new angle that rocks Julie and Felicity and kind of everybody, which I guess starts from this kernel of like, we didn't, neither of us had female friends before this. And then they had thought they were best friends. And he's like, wrong. (laughs) (laughs) He gets up and he's just like, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Both of you about everything. Everything you're saying is wrong. Uh, but what he actually says is, you two weren't best friends to begin with. You don't make, you know, best friends in a year. Best friends become over time is his point. And he's thinking about his best friend who I think isn't around anymore, but they were friends for 63 years. Mm-hmm. They were in the minors together. They were in a, they fought a war together. He's like, that's what a best friend looks like. Uh this thing that you had like how deep did your friendship actually go yeah you met when you were lonely and desperate you shared a few things you called it start calling it best but you didn't earn the title Mm -hmm. because it's only as valuable as what you put in and i think his overall point is you can't judge yet Mm -hmm. you know it depends on what you do next so That's why I don't think either he or Creepy Dennis are are pivotal because it's up to them. He's like, you got two ways to go here. Mm -hmm. You can come through, you can become the friends you thought you were, or you can become memories and fade into nothing. Yeah. And, And it's up to you. And then he just... And I think that that to me is like that last thing that you said. And the thing that he said is the most important thing to me of what he says, because honestly, I think it's not everybody is going to get the luxury of of being able to say at the end of like nearing the end of their lives, I was best friends with this person for 63 years. At what point did he start thinking of that person as his best friend? I don't think you have to have a full 63 years of war and minors invested in it. (laughs) Um, not everybody's going to have that story. Not everybody has that long a life. And that doesn't mean you can't have a best friend. So I think I see his point that it takes experiences and it takes time. And, um, maybe he's right that they were, they hadn't been through trials yet together that may have helped them earn their best friend stripes. But to me, that line that you just said, where he's like, you've got two options from here. Screw what happened in the past. Two options. You either move forward to become the friends you thought you were, or you become memories. What do you want? And uh, like, cause circling around this train forever is going to produce nothing. So Like, I I think that that point from him is the challenge of the show to these two people of saying, what are you going to do now? Yeah, and I I agree with that. I the part that I have an issue with is that the word best is relative, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's not absolute. So, like, if this is not going to be the greatest example, but like if you have to eat dog food right there is going to be a best brand Mm -hmm. none of them are going to be good but there still will be a best one so if you have no female friends 
and then all of a sudden you have one, they are both your best and worst female friend. Mm -hmm. Like that's just how language works. Yeah. So I think what he's talking about here, and I'm just translating it from the word best is love between friends. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's saying, look, yeah, you've been through a couple of things, but implied in the, the term best friends is love. Mm-hmm. And you haven't earned that yet. You know, you, you need to, to see what happens. It doesn't happen on any kind of short time frame. And that, that I agree with. You know, I'm not one of those people that believes that love it, in love at first sight. Big yeah. surprise there. Um, and, but I do think, I'm also not someone who thinks there's only one person out there for everyone. I think love is something that, um, whether it's romantic or between friends or, you know, however, however you're experiencing it, it's something that does require work Mm -hmm. and it's, it requires choice you have to say having a relationship with this person is is worth it and i'm willing to put in the work mm-hmm. and that's you know that's kind of what he's saying here and yeah. so i don't see again i don't see this as the the pivotal point bringing them together mm-hmm. i do see this as the pivotal point of kind of shaking them and saying you have agency in this. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be friends? Fine, but this is the result. Yeah. And I think um, I'm debating, but I think I'll just mention my note from an optimist here, although I could just as easily mention at the very end, where it's really just a finer point on this. You know, you get to decide if a relationship is important to you. So, and I and I think that is optimistic because if you are in a, nothing is smooth hundred percent of the time and there'll be challenges. There might be things that you argue about with anybody, but I think that it is ultimately within your power to make a decision if you want that person to still be in your life. And if you want that relationship to continue and there is agency there and it's what we're calling upon Felicity and Julie to do here, but we all have the ability to do that of making, uh, sitting down and saying this person that I'm agonizing over where we are right now, is it better if they're in my life or better if they're not in my life? And the agency of that, I think can, can really boil it down to its simplest form of like, is my life in some way enhanced by this person? Is this thing that we're dealing with something we can get through to get to a better place um, or not. And, uh, I like that they put the agency back on these characters and I like that we have that in our own lives or that we can, if we want to. And to be fair, like the answer to that question isn't always easily implemented. You know, like if you said it's better off if this person isn't in my life, but you have a lot of things that are attached, then it's complicated to unread. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like Noel and Felicity or people really who are did co-parenting in real life, you know, like that's really complicated or, you know, like if you decide you want to be together, there might be complications there too. But, um, 
but you still aren't passive in the situation. Like you can make choices, even if they aren't always easy choices, you can still make them. And I like that we have that. Yeah. And something that doesn't always come through, I think from Felicity, um, I think you also do need to be respectful of the fact that it's not just your choice. Mm-hmm. The other person has to choose you back. Yeah. So um, in the case of Noel, I mean, Felicity went pretty far in harassing him, mm-hmm. but it worked. <laughs> so eventually he did, uh, he did come around. Uh, Julie, I don't think she's gone quite as far since most of the time it seems like she she reached out a lot, didn't hear anything back, and now she's just kind of pissed. And, you know, sure, she wants everything to go back to normal, but in the same breath, she's not going to get pushed around by, by Julie because of her decisions. Do you think that, I mean, this whole episode happens because they're stuck in a subway car. Do you think that that very first interaction or or one of the first interactions where Felicity and Julie were on the subway before it was stopped. And, uh, you know, Felicity says, Hey, I stopped by. Did you get the message? And Julie's like, yep. Wasn't going to do anything about it. And Felicity can see how Julie's being with her. Do you think that she would have, Because at that moment, she says, the only comfort to me is knowing that we've got four stops before I'm no longer on the subway with her. And do you think if this ride had continued smoothly, what do you think would have happened from there? Well, I definitely don't think they would have gotten anywhere close to reconciling this episode. I I think that there are things that happen that force people to come together. And you really get to find out. Um, you get to either sort through your feelings, or you get to find out how people really feel about you. And mm-hmm. I would say that funerals are some of the biggest things. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you have estranged siblings and stuff like that, and, you know, a parent dies or a grandparent dies or something like that, like, people are brought together at funerals. Weddings are another thing. Weddings are a little more complicated because... Um, d- different people have certain influences upon the bride and groom and who they invite, and mm-hmm. that actually can end up causing more problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but but funerals, like you can't blame the person; they're gone, mm-hmm. right? So you know. I think it's also very hard to throw someone out of a funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just one of those things where people are in pain, they're coming together, and either they just really want to see you in pain and they don't care, or you find some like common ground, you know, you have some time to talk. Um, and And I feel like without something like happening, like they could have done this another way. Like Sean could have gotten hit by a car. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think anything around Ben would be very tricky. I think uh, Felicity starting to date Ben again would not help with mm-hmm. that relationship with Julie. I think Julie would probably move out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like there would have to be some sort of like medical emergency or they're stuck together in this car for some reason. Like we'll see this on other shows. Um, I've never actually tried this in real life, although I think it'd be funny to do where, you know, friends of two people who are fighting, they just lock them in a room together until they resolve it. And that's kind of what happened here. Yeah. It's like you force these people to be together until they figure the shit out. Yeah. I think inherently I don't buy this premise. So in the same way that you felt maybe, maybe in a similar way, but not as harsh as you felt about the magic bringing things together last season where I felt pretty harsh about that. Yeah. I I feel a little little less harsh about this, but it falls into the same bucket for me as you felt about that, where I'm like, eh, I feel like give me something else. Like, I don't know. Was there something you could do with Carol where where Julie would need a friend? Um, I think Zach is too much of a hard. It's very hard. I, I think it would be very hard to be the one in need I I feel like something would have to happen to Felicity that is somehow connected to Julie, Mm -hmm. where Julie sees Felicity really needing someone and Mm -hmm. she ends up reaching out. Or again, I don't, I mean, come on, I'm not going to buy this. Like we have a cross section of New York City, like old, young, male, female, um, black, white you know, Hispanic, like, and they're going to judge you. And then all of a sudden you're going to be friends again. Sure. Yeah. I think this feels like this show went into fantasy realm and I don't, um, I mean, there were mole people. Yeah. I didn't need that here to, I think they could have done it other ways. I think that this was a fun way to do the story. I think that this was a very comedic episode and then they tried to tackle a really tense relationship within that, but it's not, um, it's not, I, I don't love that they used the device that they did. It wasn't that effective for me when I think about like what it might really be like in that subway and it's very convenient and um yeah um yeah, i can tell you it does not take five plus hours or even three plus hours like to get someone off the tracks like if that because, is what happens because no subway can move <laughs> you know like <laughs> everybody's locked down yeah and that's just it's just just not a thing but anyway after all of this the subway starts yeah. moving again after this guy Mike drops and says yeah. this important thing, the subway starts moving again. So their time locked down is up, but gosh. But <sighs> but I do buy, I still buy that like putting two people in a room together sometimes can work or having them like just forcing them to spend time together over and over again that eventually I think whatever the true feelings are eventually will come through. Yeah. So I buy the might premise make them of hate that. Each other. And I just don't know that I like the way they did this yeah. in the and circumstances they created. Um, yeah. Cause I also agree. That's, this is, 
this is unlikely. <laughs> what I what I do enjoy is that once they get back above ground and everybody is departing, like you have the goodbye from everybody that they were with. Yeah. And it reminded me, have you seen the movie Labyrinth? Oh yeah. This How for many times? some reason, <laughs> this like last bit or not last bit, but this bit where they've just come back above ground and everybody's saying goodbye to Julie and Felicity. And they're all saying a little thing that has to do with what you learned about them felt exactly like being back in whatever their name, Sarah, Sarah's room where all of the, where all of the oh, people she met in the together? labyrinth. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the like the, and, and then you end up with a, should you need us? Should you need yeah. us? Um, and right before they all like dance again, uh, that whole bit, it was like uh, everybody, all they were all saying their goodbyes to her. It felt exactly like this. And it's probably not the reference that I should be calling up. But here we are, Labyrinth. I mean, and- hey, look, you got what you got out of it. I did not. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I did not think Labyrinth. Um, I, I thought this was... Uh, <sighs> You know, this this was part of the, like, unbelievable part, right? It's the, like, everyone got to be friends, right? Mm-hmm. And people are helping each other. And, you know, um, the lawyer is going to help the guy who's trying to get a loan. Because, of course, he's a financial, like, lawyer. I don't know. Yeah, that makes no sense. Uh, the I liked the idea of being able to think about Labyrinth in the context of this. But whether any of this makes sense as an actual world you're building, it doesn't to me. I can only look at this as a fantasy element that they brought into this episode to make something work. I mean, do you find Labyrinth to be something that could really happen? (laughs) I think that's a movie that's entirely in the world of fantasy, right? And that's what you are watching when you're watching it. This is, they brought that in to this show, for this episode, similar to the fact that they did that, you know, with magic in that one. And this didn't yeah. work for me very well, but there are other things that they bring in that do this just didn't. Yeah. And you know, whether it works for you or not is, is your experience. I think the line for me is the everything that happened this episode could actually happen. Mm-hmm. Not that it's, probable it can be as improbable as like one in a like gigaton zillion right i don't know how many of that is um but it could happen yeah magic can't happen it's not real (laughs) like that literally went into fantasy whereas i think this just sort of suggested something that was very improbable no i think i think the fantasy element is like for example i think of the movie waitress in the same way where it's like a lot of that could happen but they're creating like a once upon a time sort of feeling uh once upon a time all of these people entered a subway car and (laughs) then the subway car stopped and you know uh, they all lived happily ever after by the end of it. And like, I think, could the scenarios have happened? Yes. Do I think they would have played out this way? Not at all. So they were constructing an idea of locking these two people down. So they had to talk. And that idea works. 
but I don't believe it would have unfolded like this. And I definitely don't believe everybody else on the subway car would have become friends from this. No, I like, so it doesn't resonate from that level. Um, I think they all just said goodbye. I don't think they really became friends or anything, but um, I get the the once upon a time Megan, the queen mole priestess woman mm-hmm. um, being mole being. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that I think um, I mean, to me, it sounded it looked just like they were coming back from an underground club. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But so now they're back above ground and it's just, it's quiet again. And it's just Felicity and Julie and Felicity's like, hmm, do you want to get coffee? <laughs> she's like, she kind of, she's like tentative about it. But she's like, I'll do it. She invites Julie to coffee. Julie declines. Yeah. Julie's just like, uh, no. Going back to the loft. Don't, don't want to do this. And, um, and that's, and, you know, they part ways and you get this note that like Felicity misses Julie. Well, what, what she says about Julie is exactly how I felt. She felt about Noel after their big blow up mm-hmm. where, um, you know, hopefully um, listeners will, will chime in on that. But basically at the end of that fight in his loft, it was this feeling of, Noel's got to be the one to decide now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the same thing here. It's I, I've done all I can do. Mm-hmm. And now it's up to Julie. I miss her. I've apologized ish. I've reached out. Like it's like, it's gotta be up to her now. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, she'll be disrupted from thinking about that too much by having Ruby burst into her room. Oh, I'm going to admit, I did not like this scene. Mm-hmm. This did not make me feel warm and fuzzy about Ruby. Ruby is like, could no crane be any cuter? He's such an amazing kisser. Thank you for not coming to the, to the museum, the modern. Um, she has no idea. She clearly has no idea that there's backstory between Felicity and Noel. Um, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, it's she just, they made her sound like she was 12 years old. They did. Could he be any cuter? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just, he's such a hottie. He's, I'm just like. Yeah, she's coming off a, coming off a big makeout session. Not yeah. Felicity probably wants to hear about, but so no. what? But she could have use different language yeah. like my main issue with her in this moment is the way she is speaking mm-hmm. she sounds like she's 12 years old yeah well we'll keep moving i mean she's excited um but we also see we cut to a very uh quick scene of just like showing us the party that maggie and ben are at and it's like Which as you pointed out it's very sophisticated party so um, gorgeous they're sitting down and we don't hear what they're saying, but we can see that they're talking. They're having an animated conversation. They're engrossed in each other, even though there's a lot of stuff that's happening at the party. And that's kind of what they show you there. Yeah. I wrote, it's a grown up party. Mm-hmm. Ben is still a child. 
<laughs> but but he is now at a grown-up party and um I guess and he's hanging time. you know he's not like trying to do a kid stand at a grown-up party he's yeah. uh he's there with maggie and and she's kind of showing him the ropes and he's he's uh engaged in that conversation in a way that that makes sense for that setting yeah and maybe this is part of his journey towards becoming 78 year old ben or whatever you say yeah. towards the end <laughs> he's like ah oh, yes this is this is my scene for now. I've said this is him as a catapulting into his thirties. Yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's part of the journey, I guess. Yeah, um, and actually, I think that sort of takes us into the tone that I feel at the end of this, where this last scene at the at the modern, where Felicity's at the modern. I feel like the music carries in. It's almost. The music that we were hearing in the background, I almost felt like it was something we would have heard from the fugue. Yeah, it's the classical, the classical music, but it's not Bolero, so I'm fine with it. Ah, great, great, great. <laughs> um, but Felicity did finally make it to. This is another day, um, but she did finally make it to the modern, and they're sort of panning around. She's looking at one particular painting. They're sort of pinning around her, showing you the room. And then you see Julie walking in because once again, they were going to the modern on the same day. And um, they're both going to stand looking at this one painting. And Julie comes up and says, that song was really mean. I won't play it anymore. Um, And it's, it's as much of a concession as Felicity really needs at that point. I think, you know, it's, it's a big step from Julie. Yeah. I really like this. I liked, um, I liked the shot in general where they had like right at the end, they kind of pull out and we're, we're seeing them, you know, through the big museum doorless walk through um you know looking at this and and i love that it is such a parallel to what happens with noel Mm -hmm. because they're looking at art it's a picture slash photograph of a hand Mm -hmm. they're standing next to each other Mm -hmm. felicity has made this judgment in her head that the other person is the one who has to come forward and like you know, push the relationship forward and both Julie and Noel do that mm-hmm. in the context of looking at a piece of art, not not only just a piece of art, a black and white piece of art, like including a hand. Yeah. Um, so I just felt like that was, it, it was a really nice parallel to kind of how she is healing the relationship both with julie and noel but like the the process seems to be similar interesting yeah i like that point yeah well that's that's the episode um it is did you want to talk about the what the club did they say segment yeah i think that was a actually a slightly a slightly different intro theme which i appreciate yeah Huh, you know, it was close. It was more because I was weaker when I sang it and the uh, I, my voice faltered a little bit there, but that's okay. Uh, 
It's, we'll just say it's different. Um, so what the glove did they say? We love this segment. I know you have a couple from this particular episode of lines that are going to receive some unnecessary censorship from you where you'll put a glove on top of a word that was in the script. So what, what came up for you in this one? Yeah, so I got two for this one. Um, Gonna have to apologize for one of them to you, but hopefully at least it will have a different meaning uh, with the gloves in it. But I'm gonna start with, so what I'll say is both scenes uh, involve Noel. And um, in my mind, at least, feel free to, to put in whatever you'd like, but in my mind, they both also involve penises. Okay. So feel free to make of that what you will. So this is the first scene. It is the infamous scene uh, between Noel and Ruby. I have cut out some of Ruby's parts that were just like, ew. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just going to get kind of a, a description of the, the bet by Noel. Okay. So. Here he goes. And uh, we made a bet. Whoever less for the night paid for the whole night. Uh, So we were at Peppers, which was this really cheap down in Boston. And we started pounding these just slamming them in like one, two, three, four. It was just so disgusting but then felix picks up a french oh and he takes a like one like the winning and the idea of it i i can't i can't handle it i couldn't handle it so i just i i which of course made Felix. Oh so my God. There we are, both projectile. Wow. Yeah. That was an epic one from you. That was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like there's the Iliad, the Odyssey, and then there was that one. They were both pretty long. I'm not going to lie. That one was longer. Wow. But I felt like it was worth the payoff. Yeah. To get the Felix stuff in. Nice. So the second one, which I actually think is better, is between Ruby and Noel. Mm. And so she says, no, I mean it. I'm telling you, guys with smooth guts. Whoa. What? There's a whole thing about it. The connection between the roughness of a man's and his place in the modern world. See, thousands of years ago, the most successful men, the real leaders, had the roughest groups, and the weakest, most inadequate men had the smoothest. So I guess over the years, that statistic, that measurement has switched entirely. (laughs) You can have your back. Yes. Oh boy. So there we go. Gosh. 
I don't know how you keep finding them, but you do. I mean, it's just love. You know, everywhere I go, there's just, there's Nolan penises. Um, I had like three others that I thought about, but these were definitely the top two. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Ah, I love it. That, well, that was the, what the club did they say segment. Um, That was a beautiful flourish at the end there. Yeah. I was next time. Maybe we'll go Christina Aguilera style. We'll see how it goes. Um, So let's get into the, after you listen to this tape, you have to erase it segment. We have some, we have so much listener feedback that's relevant for this. And you know what? Buckle up folks. There, (laughs) there's just so many things that like, first of all, thank you everybody for being like, I feel like we were gone for a couple of weeks and then people were like, you're back. And so (laughs) now it's just, we have so much cool feedback and I'm loving it. It's so great. And Melissa tells me, you know, when I'm allowed to look and when I'm not. And I mean, it's just, ah, we miss you. We miss you guys so much. I mean, there's been so much in here just to think about and to like respond to on Instagram and email and, it's, I don't know. I love getting your takes on everything. Yeah. And if, if you sent something or said something recently that doesn't get mentioned here, we're still, we're still holding on to it. I, I can't make this four hours longer with, with feedback, but I, <laughs> um, but we will cover a lot of stuff here and I'm, I'm going to try to find some ways to group it together for you because I think we've had a lot of like major things happen in the first three episodes of the show and then coming back off a cliffhanger and people are still catching up on what they think about it. Um, and so I'm going to pull from a few different like major things and some questions people posed, but let's see, not necessarily in a particular order. In episode two, we saw Felicity's breakup speech. So we asked about that, you know, what do people think about it? And I wanted to share a few different reactions to that, that we received. Um, so first I'll share, uh, let's see from, we've got a lot of different things from at aunt Mary 72. Uh, thank you, aunt Mary. You're the best. Well, you're so many people are great. You're all the best. I don't, well, don't want to get go there. That's just um, not relative. We're not going to yeah. be relative with it. We, we are many absolutely guests. saying yeah. you are all the best. Yeah. So her thought here was, you know, I loved it because it was true. She did not call him anything. He wasn't. I'm the biggest Benpologist there is, but if he, but if he has growing up to do, he needed to hear this. And I think fish, that's probably a reaction to like, Ooh, she called him a coward. Some of the stings. Mm -hmm. Um, She did say those things, but she felt like he needed to hear it. And then going further with that, we've got at queen Shalana 75 who said, I'm glad she did it. I love Felicity and she has such a beautiful heart. To be honest, she read him for filth. And then she has those little shruggy shoulders emojis. <laughs> but she said, but they're my babies. Um, I'm not going to lie to you at Queen Shalana 75. I had to look up what reading somebody for filth meant. And then I found out it's exactly oh, right. That's exactly yeah. the answer. That is exactly what she did. She yes. like read, she read him and, you know, good on her. Yeah, totally accurate great way of thank you for educating me uh i'm now ready to 
talk with the people. I don't know. Um, we'll see how it goes. At Galinsky underscore also jumped in with this. It was one of my favorite moments. She's strong, vulnerable, and owns her feelings. Deep down, Ben had to have known Felicity could not have kept it casual with him, just as he is freaked out at the possibility of her loving him. It's also really poignant for later this season in terms of Felicity's journey and Ben's journey for Friesen's fish will have to wait to find out. Oh, oh she threw it down for <laughs> you fish. I love it. Yeah. And no, it's good. It's good that, that I don't get spoilers. Um, it's fine. I, as I said on Instagram, I will continue to make my predictions and, uh, you can, either marvel at how amazingly correct I am or probably more often laugh at how far off I am mm-hmm. um, because yeah. I'm loving the Maggie Ben thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that ends up being like a train wreck, uh, <laughs> but I love it for now. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're getting these magical moments because they broke up. So, you know, yeah, there we have that's it. That's true. That's true. Now um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. It'll be interesting to see their journey. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm on board for the journeys. Well, that's good because the show's gonna take you on some journeys. That's what it's gonna do. <laughs> um. So we're, I mean, we're, we're not even like halfway through audience feedback here. So, well, uh, here's one that I thought was very interesting. This is another one from at Aunt Mary seventy two, who was on fire this last week. <laughs> I remember hearing J.J. Abrams say, maybe on DVD commentary, that freshman year, if Felicity's hair was down, she was strong. When her, uh, when her hair was up, she was more reserved. So maybe the haircut was symbolic of not needing her hair to give her strength. She was strong enough without it. Ooh. Yep. And then didn't someone else say, I also heard that? Mm-hmm. Um, and remember all those times that I was super annoying and I was like, let's go scene by scene. Like here she has her hair down and she's wearing purple and here she has her hair up and she's not wearing purple. And I just, I, I hadn't quite put my finger on the fact that it was strength. Like I definitely thought they were trying to do something with her looks, mm-hmm. but it also kind of fed into how she reacted in that moment. Yeah. Um, and, and she did take on more of a, like, I can be beat up on vibe um, when she had her, her hair up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can totally see that. That brings up like so many other questions for me, but um so fish and i have agreed we need to now go back and watch all of season one again yeah i (laughs) was gonna say once we finish season four we're just gonna have to go back to season one again it's always fun when you have a show that makes you think like that i had that feeling with mr robot where like of all every season you get something some new piece of information where like and now i need to go back and watch all the way again to this point (laughs) because it makes me see everything from a new light and this is that kind of information for me where it's like, oh, okay, if that is in fact a lens that I'm meant to be looking through, what what does that look like across the different moments um, that we see her doing her hair up or leaving it down? So I thought that was interesting. We have a question to pose to the audience. So Heather O'Brien 
Heather, you've sent a lot of stuff and I, I want to, I'm going to save a lot of it. Um, but you have a question and we need to get you an answer. So, <laughs> uh, Heather asks, I also have a question. I'm desperately trying to figure out the song and the DVD version of season two, episode three, when Julie and Ben are taking down the poster. Um, so some of the lyrics say, give you an inkling, show me an ocean, something like that. I actually wasn't sure if it was give me an inkling, give you an inkling, show me emotion. <laughs> so we're already on different pages here. Um, this was, she says, this is one of my favorite songs growing up and I can't seem to find it anywhere. Thanks in advance. and love your show. I, I tried to look for, uh, the song that Heather is referring to is very faintly in the background. And I, I did love that song. I yeah. don't remember it, but I, that I love that whole scene, the lighting, the everything and yeah. the song. But I don't remember hearing that song earlier. Yeah. So one of the things I think is true of a lot of what they put on season two's DVD songs Um there is another song that's going to come up later this season that drove me nuts looking for it. And I never found an answer. And I think what happened maybe across the whole show, but definitely in some season two episodes is that whatever song they used in the original airing, obviously they moved away from it because they didn't have the licensing or whatever, but then it seems like they got like unknown artists who would never know or le or lawyer up <laughs> <laughs> to fight them to get these these uh replacement songs and so i think sometimes even if you use like all of your resources and look up lyrics i still can't find some of the songs that i'm looking for from this season and that may be a challenge that we'll run into a couple times so we're calling upon everyone uh you're all detectives please go ahead <laughs> feel free to be sleuths gumshoes whatever word you want um, yeah, we're looking for this song. Heather needs an answer, guys. What can we do? Yeah, I'm um, trying to remember now because we were talking about the song that was playing on the roof. Um, there was Crash Into Me in the original, but then the DVD version. Um, I, I went down an Instagram rabbit hole, mm. which I don't currently have up, but um, there is an account that something like a song from, or from a song, from a song or something like that. Mm -hmm. And there are a series of them that are just Felicity songs. Yeah. It took this woman 16 years to find the actual artist. And she had to like connect with the like the music director or something mm -hmm. um to find the artist and the song that's on the dvd yeah you know not streaming not original um and she found it finally um they just so... ruined our lives these these <laughs> it's like there are some really cool dvd songs and there's the one that i'm thinking of and you'll all be cluing in for it when we get there there's a greg felicity scene because you haven't met greg yet but he'll, he'll show up eventually um in like a cafeteria and it's like oh that song is so good and then i and the <laughs> lyrics are very clear and i've 
done all sorts of iterations of looking them up on Google and I can't seem to find it. So this one we'll work on for Heather and see if we can come up with an answer. Uh, we have put this request out into the universe. Um, got two more, one from last episode and one from this one. So again, uh, this one was an email from Mary, Mary Berrigan, who had some really interesting thoughts on Felicity and Noel. So she wrote, Today's ancient history discussion led me to have an epiphany on the Felicity-Noel relationship. This is my theory. Noel has criminally low self-esteem. He's constantly looking to build his own definition of self from the women around him. The thing that Hannah, no H, Felicity, and Ruby <laughs> all have in common is that they were young, inexperienced, and looked up to him. All of the relationships falter when the girls begin to grow. Note that Noel was drawn back to Hannah when she was floundering and looking to him to help her. On the Felicity side of this equation, Noel was there for her when she needed someone to bolster and encourage her. Felicity will always feel the gratitude and appreciation of Noel's best qualities from that time. However, anytime Felicity has personal growth, Noel reacts badly. Noel needs her weakness to feel strong. So on to the reckoning between the two from ancient history. I see it slightly different from both of you. I think the key to warming between the two is Ruby. The wide-eyed innocence of Felicity is replaced by Ruby in Noel's quest for self-worth. As a result, when Felicity is put into a position of weakness from the art critique, Noel is able to fall into his favorite position of rescuer without endangering his self-esteem because he now has Ruby. In my opinion, Felicity will spend the entire series locked in this dynamic with Noel. She wants to recapture the security he gave her when she needed it. She wants him to be that strong, reassuring strength she needed. He wants her to adore him and build him up. Thank you for coming to my TED talk about Felicity and Noel. <laughs> if you think this is long, wait till I get started on Ben and Felicity. Mary, go for it. We want, we want your Ben and Felicity takes. We want all of them. If this is the, oh gosh. I mean, fish, what do we do? I mean, I could not have said it better myself. Oof. I mean, I think she is right on the money. I, I, the thing about season one, Noel, and I guess it'll continue, is that he, he does have low self-esteem and I always worry about relationships where one of the parties has really low self-esteem. Mm -hmm. It it just doesn't, it, it's sort of a, like, if you can't love yourself, right? I mean, how do you expect anybody else to? It, it's, RuPaul says it best. <laughs> it's kind of a, a just, it's gonna be a disaster. Because it's, at least in my experience, it's so hard to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't value themselves because you have to tiptoe around everything and you have to build them up all the time. And even when you don't mean to be insensitive or like anything good that happens to you is like a personal affront. Mm -hmm. um, and I just... I absolutely can see that pattern, um, especially with Ruby, uh, him just, just sort of falling into that role. It's and Ruby's the youngest of these women compared to, well, not youngest. She's 
the most young. What's how do I want to say this fish? What's the English? Youngest does seem correct. So she is younger than Noel by more than Felicity or Hannah were at the time of their relationships. Um, I think yeah, Hannah that and Felicity is are what both... the word youngest means. Yes. But, but, uh, there's the biggest age. She is the same age as like, technically Hannah was the youngest at the time that she was having a relationship with Noel, but Felicity and Hannah are both one year younger than Noel, I think. And Ruby would be two because she's, uh, there's the biggest age difference between that is easily the best way to say this. And you know what? I didn't get there. Uh, it's okay. That's why we have you fish. Um, together so in a way it's like well it didn't work out with hannah it really didn't work out with felicity and maybe he's going safer with somebody who needs him even more and she does seem to adore him Mm -hmm. i mean even his bad you know cheeseburger stories or hamburger stories i don't know how you come out of that more attracted to someone Mm mm-hmm yeah, I think that, you know, what Mary raises here winds up with the fact that, you know, going into watching the first season, I think both you and I were expecting to think of Noel as like the nice guy more often than it really bared out. And he had yeah. some lines that were a little gross. And I think this this throws a light on that that makes a lot of sense to me because there were such like, and you pointed out a lot. Uh, last season fish like there were times where like she felicity would cry and noel would smile and yeah. this it was creepy fits with that idea um sometimes it was the lines he said but sometimes it was just like oh i see felicity's hurting or struggling and that would actually make him feel good and useful mm-hmm. and yeah i i like this theory yeah and it I mean, it bears out in, I think, the real world because, like, if if you're sick or, you know, you have a problem and um, this happens both with, like, friends and family and, honestly, even colleagues at work, um, you can get into a dynamic where someone's sort of helping you out and mm-hmm. as you get better and try to, like, reassert your independence and your ability to do things it it can go really badly with the other person that Mm -hmm. is not the dynamic they signed up for yeah yeah so that was a really good one um and we've got one more and i can't i'm pretty sure we haven't done this one but stop me along the way if we have fish and this is not meant to rile you up we just specifically have (laughs) one that lines up with this episode but pulls from uh the the origin of julian felicity's tension and this one's uh from an email from colleen tenbus who said as far as the julie ben felicity triangle i'm not sure how julie can expect felicity to not shoot her shot when she has literally had a crush on him all throughout high school and changed her life's plan for him those strong feelings were always under the surface. She's only known Julie nine or 10 months. I do agree with Fish, though, in that Felicity really should have said Julie and Ben dating wasn't okay. But how many of us at 18 knew ourselves well enough or had the confidence to say what we want and not what others want to hear? 
I'm just saying, I also understand why Felicity said it was okay when maybe it really wasn't. Um, we've been sitting on this feedback for a little while and I was waiting to get, I think I was waiting to get back to this one too, cause we kind of left the Julie Felicity thing alone for a couple episodes, um, while we dealt with Felicity and Noel. And so this kind of goes back into it. Um, and this is basically a direct response to some of the feedback that you and I had probably from the series finale of season one. Yeah, could have been. I I feel like you you maybe did um, bring this up before, but I think it's worth bringing up again in this context. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's specifically brought up in this episode mm-hmm. <laughs> by mm-hmm. different characters. And, like, you know, you and I have both kind of set our piece on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I I don't think it was crossing a line for Julie to date Ben. Uh, and I think Felicity should have stood up and said, no, it's not okay. Because I guess my view is if, if at 18 we're not mature enough to stand up and say, no, it's not okay to date someone, are we mature enough to say, like this guy we really like is coming on to us. I shouldn't date him because this girl that I don't really know very well, and I've never had a girlfriend before. So maybe girl code isn't really a thing Mm -hmm. um, is, is pursuing me. Yeah. And I'm leaning on him for a number of important things in my life. Yeah. Well, I think that in the light of, Apologies, folks, if we've mentioned this one before, but I think in the light of this episode, I also think this forces us to reconsider the judge's feedback, as we're calling him, of, you know, like, were you yeah. ever friends? You know, like, yeah. and if you're never friends, what's well, girl, code, is no girl you know? code? So it's like, I, I think this episode makes us completely revisit how, how strong was the bond to begin with? Um, were they ever really able to say, the things that they thought it's easy enough to support someone when you're unaffected by the outcome. So, you know, Felicity can support Julie with Carol, because what difference does that make for Felicity? Um, You know, the Zach stuff was a little stickier, like in what situations did Julie support Felicity? You know, there was, there were, the stakes weren't as high for each of them individually to help each other. So the, the friendship wasn't really tested. And, yeah. and under fire the way that it was as we get to the end of season one. So. Yeah, I guess when I think about like a girl's girl or like girl code, I tend to think of it in terms of a group of friends of girls. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, a girl code to me like if you if you're a new person and you come into a group of like four female friends you can't date any of their exes because mm-hmm. you're now part of this group and you don't want to mess up the group that's part of being a girl's girl and that's part of girl code um i mean obviously it's felt stronger with you know friends but you're expecting to become more and more friends with all these people um 
But where I draw the line with girl code is you don't start dating someone's ex behind their back. Mm -hmm. But if it seems like there's not really anything there and you go to the person and you specifically ask, is this okay? And they say yes. Then if you do it, you're not breaking girl code. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think it's a useful thing about this episode that when we do get this trial format, and this free for all that stems from it, no matter how preposterous the situation actually looked to me, I, I do think that different, uh, different people in that scene were meant to be sort of proxies for some different viewpoints in the audience. And I'd be curious to know from the listeners, if you have a viewpoint that you didn't feel was reflected there. Um, if, if you didn't see anybody in that situation who felt like they were speaking on your behalf, uh, because I think that they were maybe trying to accomplish that. So you get points of view kind of like this and you get the stuff that's more like, uh, Julie's the victim here. Like it's, you know, like it's all, it's all, you know, support Julie all the way. And then you get like the, the middle-aged blonde woman who's like, oh, friendships, you know, <laughs> like, it's just like, no, the um, middle-aged blonde woman was like, I understand. I've seen rent. Yeah. But she was also she- like remember when I was telling you about my own college friendships, you know, she, it was just, oh, oh, I thought lady. what she was saying was something maybe similar had happened to her in college. And she just went back and was like friends with her high school friends oh, instead. Yeah. Okay, and then enough. Julie and Felicity <laughs> were both like, yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. We'll so it's friends. interesting, like all these different angles of it and like the, the people who wanted to minimize the people in that subway car who wanted to minimize their struggle and be like, this isn't a big problem compared to other ones. And then the people who jumped in and were like, no, friendship is important for, you know, well, and, your heart is important. Yeah. And the relationship itself yeah. between like the romantic relationship part was important yeah. as well. So I suppose I do like that, that, you know, they kind of got, maybe they got the audience involved in really like bringing our own um, baggage to the front. And then you get that one guy at the end who's like, none of us matters because you're not actually friends. What? Uh, <laughs> it's like, we all put our baggage forward and then he just threw it all off the subway car. Um, and then you start fresh, right? Hopefully is what we're landing on here kind of seems like they're prepared to do sort of that at the end of this. Um, they haven't like, I, th- I think that that last conversation Julie and Felicity have staring at the painting, it's not that they say, let's have coffee tomorrow. Like let, let's, let's meet up all the time and be friends again and braid each other's hair. It's more like, um, let's, let's clear this slate. You've said you're sorry for your thing. Uh, actually, Julie didn't exactly apologize, which is like the song was mean, not doing it again. So I think that was her, that was her concession. They both brought that forward. And I feel like they're prepared to somewhat wipe that slate clean. It might be awkward, might be weird. And they haven't come up with a plan for what to do moving forward that we've seen, but it does feel like there could be a way forward from this moment. Yeah. I mean, I see it similar to, again, similar to Noel 
Like they will see each other when they see each other and it will be slightly less awkward and then it will be less awkward and it will be less awkward if they keep working on it, you know, if they keep their, their feelings in check and their, you know, sort of let go of, of things and, and forgive, um, and find new things to talk about and bond over. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the, uh, just anthology of feedback that we've got for that rolled into this week. Some of it from way in the past, some of it coming back to now, but, um, I think it kind of catches us up and, you know, there's still, there's still more that we're hanging on to. So if you didn't hear something that you shared, it's probably going to crop up later. Um, but thank you all for providing that feedback. And I think this is a good chance for fish for you and me to rate this episode and see what we thought about it. Um, bringing it back to this season two, episode four episode. Um, do you, did you want to go first with this one or do you want me to? Um, I think I've gone first for a few of them. So, okay. I mean, I will, if you want me to, but definitely feel free. I might suck the air out of the room here, but that's okay. So uh, eventually I'll have to do it anyway, whether it comes now or later. So here we go. Um, <laughs> what unit of measurement did I get this Yay. one? I am reading this one in stinky girl poems. Oh, that's a good one. I was mm-hmm. kind of hoping it was going to be mole people, but could have been mole people could have been mean songs, but then I was like, nah, Stinky girl, yep. stinky girl. I don't want to hear it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. This got dinged in a lot of different ways for a lot of different reasons. We've got a story about not one, but two people projectile vomiting. We had no Sally. Uh, those are just the basics. Um, but then also the fantasy piece didn't really play for me that well in terms of how I think this actually would have played out in that environment. Um, not to say that the subway couldn't break down, but do I think that this is what would have happened? No, I do not. Um, so I landed at 5.9 stinky girl poems. And, you know, honestly, I was surprised that I found it as funny as I did. Like I, I watching the show this today was a better experience than I remembered having watching this episode previously. So there's that, uh, because this isn't one that I would look forward to on a rewatch. And I think that there were a lot of comedic elements and they did a lot of hard work to bring Julie and Felicity back together. And okay, but eh, not my favorite. I think it's uh, slightly better than passable for me. That's my answer. All right. Better than passable. Mm-hmm. That is that is a strong recommendation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's to be honest, it's probably not the lowest I'm going to rate an episode this season. Uh yeah. I I don't know what's coming, but you have indicated that that there's at least one episode you're not a huge fan of. Specifically one. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So for me, I had no problem with the, um, the the subway stopping and 
the mole people coming out. And I know that sounds weird given how, like, it, it doesn't cross the line for me into magic, mm-hmm. you know? Highly, 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 highly improbable is not impossible. Okay. So, yeah, I was fine with it. And... And there were just a lot of really good lines, and I did find it funny. Um, I I love that Noel is still being snarky, and the whole like trial by subway car. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just enjoyed it, and and I think part of it was I did find it kind of validating mm-hmm. because I agreed with a lot of what different people said. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going with like a nine for this one. This, this was like one of my top episodes. Ooh. All right. Yeah. I know this like never happens. I mean, we disagree a lot, but like, I'm not usually the one who rates higher. (laughs) Especially Very true. If there's a big difference. What well, happened this time? I'll tell you that much. Ah. Okay. Well, all right. That's what that's our feedback for today's episode and our ratings. But we would love to hear from you all. We've had enough conversation here where I think we've posed a lot of questions, and you know, there's a lot of relationship rebuilding that's been happening across the first four episodes of this season. So we certainly welcome hearing from any of you about what you think, send us your feedback or, you know, if you have any art that's you're inspired to do, send us your Felicity fan art and you can send that to us by email at the Melissa fish at gmail.com. It's Melissa with one L two S's themelissafish at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Felicity Podcast. And there are so many fun people that are having conversations about this show. Come find us, come play. And if you want to be informed when we drop new episodes, you can go ahead and sign up for our newsletter, which you can find a link for that in the show notes, wherever you listened to this podcast. And hey, if you feel so inspired and you want to help other Felicity fans find our podcast so they can get into the conversation, go ahead and uh, rate or review this, whatever your options are, wherever you're listening to this. Hey, Fish, I mentioned it. You did. I'm so proud of you. It only took like 26 episodes. Um, (laughs) Go us. Yeah. Uh, What's coming up next, you may ask? Well, we're going to cover episode five which is called crash what do you think that means what do you think is coming up and it's not todd mulcahy gets hit by a bus again (laughs) darn (laughs) uh i mean we know he's still alive um okay crash so the depth okay wait what was the one before the depths ancient history okay so ancient history was noel Mm-hmm. The depths was Julie. So I don't, I kind of feel like they wouldn't rush Ben so much. I mean, maybe it's uh, Ben starts dating Maggie and, and then Felicity kind of 
crashes into their relationship and like gets hurt by that and and all that kind of stuff like we haven't had a really good like felicity ben you know something since since the big speech um Mm -hmm. and even then like it wasn't it wasn't them being good and crash doesn't sound good so I'm going with something that involves Maggie, Ben, Felicity, maybe Dean and DeLuca and Javier. That's what I'm going with. Okay. Fair enough. I think this was a really unfair question because I'm looking at this and I have no idea why they called this episode Crash. So oh. I <laughs> well, then. think I just sent you on such a wild goose chase, but we'll just see how much of what you think is going to bear out actually does. <laughs> In the episode entitled Crash. It's the same way I feel about the movie Primal Fear. I sit here and I think, why? Why Primal Fear? (laughs) Um, Maybe it'll become apparent to me when we watch the next episode why they call it Crash. But Uh, maybe. Oh, and don't forget to leave comments on who Melissa should dress up as for her inaugural Rocky Horror Picture Show live event i i mean look i've already said it my vote is magenta her hair is fantastic it looks just like felicity's so it's magenta uh for me but you can pick anyone she could be frankenfurter like just let us know what do you think wow okay what does her voice sound like well there you have it uh, <laughs> she's starting to get uncomfortable <laughs> the thing is I don't actually have any plans to, to go to something like this but oh, if yet. I did I want not to know yet. who I should be yeah I mean it's happening you said it's happening we recorded it did I? I will make it your ringtone you did I said probably something like does that kind of thing even happen anymore and you just spun it no no you did say that you were like does that even happen and then i explained that it would happen like eight times within 15 minutes of you and you were like all right this is happening Uh, mm -hmm. well still a fun exercise to say who i should be (laughs) whether or not i have anything on the calendar related to this is irrelevant you get to to at some point i'm coming out there which means at some point we're doing this yeah well there you have it so next time we're talking about crash we'll figure out why it's called that maybe maybe (laughs) it's my goal may or may not be fruitful anything else you wanted to mention about this episode fish i don't think that would be possible (laughs) yeah well that's fair enough until next time fish Don't hook up with Ben while I'm gone. I'm a fish. Bye. Bye, everyone. Um, And Melissa, this is something that we're we're now going to have to do together since you've confided that you haven't done this. Okay.